de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hello, hi, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 58. We are almost senior sit. No, senior citizens is still several days away. I mean, what? Why'd you look at me when you said that, though? I didn't, but, you know, take it how you want to. Wow. Um, how is everyone? Thank you all so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is my favorite trolling, dramatic Selena star, Rafi Raf Tamayo. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. This is a great episode. I love it. Great. Oh my God, stop. How are you? I Oh my God, you actually asked me. Look, folks, <laughs> we've made growth. This is progress. A man I asked never... how my day was. <laughs> wow. That's right. A man asked you. A good smelling man. Oh, Jesus, Rafael. All right. Um, so it's been a minute. Um, I need to know how you're doing, how you're feeling. What? That is a chair in the background, not Rafael. That is Rafael. I had a beer earlier and... A hug. Um, I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for Meme Mood. Yippee! Are you ready, Raf? I am. What you got? So I'm queuing up my meme. He really is. I tagged Yolis in it, uh-huh. but you have to hear it. It's really funny. Oh my God. So this guy's got this sh- these shoes. I don't know if y'all have seen it. <laughs> He's got these shoes. Of Lightning McQueen slippers. I can't. Wait for it. I love it. So that's my meme, living life fast. Like McQueen. Yeah. That's crazy. You just pulled up my meme mood out of nowhere. I didn't even tell you to push play yet. How rude. Um, that is a fun meme mood. Now let me ask anybody else in the room because it was a big meme week. It, it was. was a great. There meme are week. so many memes that I actually don't know how we are narrowing it down. <laughs> we can't. Pat and Daisy, Megan, Pat, our, you our just friend peaked here on the levels. Pat, I think that's the first time I've ever seen Pat peak on the levels. Yay, it's because I automatically thought of the SpongeBob meme that we probably They're all, all... Love. okay. <laughs> the there's that one. the Dallas thread specifically. <laughs> Yes, she was also the Tame Impala one. Yolis, we always talk about you, even though you're not here right now with us in this room. But I tagged her in in my meme mood. Mine, (laughs) mine from the SpongeBob thread. I felt most seen. I don't know why. I do know why. By the Cesar Stacos one while Oak Cliff was playing. That one felt yeah. most like me. Um, there's definitely several others. The one about the the hotel too. That um, that um, it's above me. The it's above me. It's yeah. above me. Was there a SpongeBob one too for that, or just the it's above me hotel? It's meme? above me. Oh, I thought you were saying something else with SpongeBob. I didn't know we had left that thread. Those memes where it's just a quick like tilt pan. 
tilt, I guess, not both. And um, they put a little costume on SpongeBob and they put him in a backdrop and they add music and it's hilarious every time. My and I really love me retweet them on Twitter. I just love how quickly we turn the most average things into humor. <laughs> that is the internet and that is twitter.com. Daisy, do you have a meme? Um, not that, not one that I can think of. There is like, recently you have been like, looking at all these instagram videos of this little girl i forgot her name but she's so cute is it the one that i already chose a few weeks ago that's oh. red carpet girls yes yeah she's her a legend okay, I so love her. yeah i love they call her zaza the- her name okay. is zahara okay zaza i'm sorry i know this too well <laughs> she's literally me she's an icon and there's this one video in specific where she's listening to deaf hines or blood orange yeah and that one i felt that on a on a spiritual level I was like, I yes ma'am it. i feel that she's so. too cute so welcome our our daisy our intern back in case you didn't know Hello. um our friend megan is also in the room megan do you have a meme um you can come get on the mic let's see i don't know i was trying to <coughs> i go through a lot of memes throughout the day i know i'm like i have no time to rest and then i look at memes for like an hour um, <laughs> I love being a young millennial. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen the memes um, that has like the little alien voice tint to it. It's like creepy you know? and yeah. then it gets all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite meme right now is actually like, it's a throwback. It's a little girl who's like, every time I want to come around, y'all want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I come around. Y'all want to post up. You, you know, you doing this, but uh-huh. when I come around, you don't want to post, post up. up. But it's with the alien With the voice. alien, and it yes. like makes it swivel. It <laughs> it's so weird. Why she, is it like that? It's weird, but it's like she's labeled aliens and the little girl is labeled humans, you know? So she's like, you don't want to post up. And the, the humans are Your just impersonation like, oh, is incredible. You sound That's really good. like the computer. Yeah. I'm really into that right now. I appreciate you sharing that with us, darling Megan. And we are going to keep moving because we have a really great interview. Um, and last episode, we were lucky enough to bring in Nell Gaither from Trans Pride Initiative and she really um, steered us in a great direction with a conversation about how we need to rely more on community instead of um, basically police force and I think this is a reoccurring theme we've we've seen a lot uh, throughout the dawn of the Colores time and I think Dallas specifically has a really um ridiculous strange unique relationship um to police but i think if you can't tell from a lot of our guests community is a continuous theme of the power within one another and i think right now as we continuously see really horrid news um coming out of dallas it's really important to uplift that so um we will continue that conversation moving forward. So I'm really grateful to Nail for being with us um, last episode. And then today I brought in a few more icons uh, from the DFW. Well, not originally from the DFW, but they have become a very um, beautiful, intricate part of what Dallas consists of. And also the joy and the, and the, the beauty in Dallas as well. So we have the lovely Vicky Meek and Marion Marshall with us for our interview today. But we got to jump into the juice because y'all know we can't talk too much. So it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a great episode and there's a lot to celebrate. Um, so let's get into it. This is the juice where we cover the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news and more. 
I wanted to quickly make a note about um, May being Mental Health Awareness Month. And I know it just passed, but um, spoiler alert for me, every month is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, So I didn't um, specifically ignore it or anything like that, but I really live and breathe uh, conversations surrounding mental health. And I hope y'all understand the severity in that. So I didn't make a note of it specifically in an episode, but I think it's important to have that energy all the time. The same thing goes with pride. So obviously happy pride. Um, it's a beautiful, um, time to celebrate who you are. Um, but also recognizing, um, why it began, which again, that repeated theme of it began out of a, out of, um, fighting against police brutality. Right. Um, and these again are a part of these systems, which are all created from, um, what white supremacy was built on. Um, so I just want to remind you all of that. I'm glad to see that Dallas is celebrating, in many ways, but also has a commemorative wall that I believe was in partnership with Artitude, if I'm not mistaken, of both Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera that were both um, the face, the forefront of trans rights um, in New York. in New York, too. And they should have gotten them a long, long time, time ago. ago. Um, I was lucky enough to see the exhibit of 50 Years After Stonewall at the Brooklyn Museum, and there is just so many of these things and themes that are are repeated and these people um, definitely still need our help as you can see which leads me to my next topic unfortunately um, that here in Dallas Texas another um, black trans woman was found in White Rock Lake and um, we've discussed this it feels like every episode and alongside that uh Dallas in the month of May had the most homicides which I believe was do you remember the number it was like 49 uh, or 40 it was, it it was 42 or 41 it was in the 40s it's apparently the highest number of homicides in Dallas since the 90s um and so it's a really frightening time in Dallas right now especially for the LGBTQ plus community especially for um, black trans women specifically some people are wondering if it's a serial killer if they're getting targeted yes and there's a lot of different things going around right now um and of course a lot of the fingers are pointing at um the police but i'm i'm really looking to my community and what we can build and create um and and how we can support these communities because if they're not protecting us we have to do it um so i i lift um, her name up. I lift up everybody who's who's still struggling, and and um, know that we we won't forget you in this fight forward because it's it feels like a really heartless, hopeless time. But just know that that you you mean something. You matter. Your life is valuable, and we are pushing forward to continue. Um, to live our our best life as as much as we can um does anybody else have anything to say in reference to that all right so we'll keep it moving um i was actually very surprised that there was this was really horrible news um to get and i'm sure a lot of it will be evolving and coming out of the woodwork soon 
Um, but there was also a lot of fairly positive things that I did not expect. And so I'm going to lean into those next. Um, so I saw an article and I was very surprised um, that Mexico City will be decriminalizing sex work um, as a move against trafficking. Did you know that, Rafa? I did when I read the script. Okay. Well, did you know that before that? No. What do you think? About decriminalizing? Yes. Uh, I'd like to... I don't know. I guess I, I guess it's a... I don't know how to take it. Um, For real? Yeah. I'm very pro it because I see sex work as literally one of the oldest jobs in, in humankind. Right. Um, so this is a move towards safety. This is a move towards... Um, actually protecting them and so many people more um, because a lot of people don't even consider sex work work and right. it is and so I was really <clears throat> shocked by the fact that Mexico did it because that's very a, a very smart move in my opinion um, however I don't know what all the details will entail so I guess when that comes out um, that's always to be, um, you know, analyzed. That's where my fear is because a lot of the times, yes. And taking steps like that are dangerous. Um, and I'm not one to say that we shouldn't look at things like that as a positive move towards ending some of the injustices in, in, you know, in our world. Um, it's just scary to think of what some of the repercussions might be to the innocent people that, you know, won't really be able, like, I feel like there's definitely, steps that need to be made and in that there will be collateral damage and that's always what bugs me or not bugs me but that's always what i'm afraid of mm -hmm. um because you know things are going to happen and with anything with progression there's always this this fight against you know the what what has been the norm for so long and trying to you know do better the growing pains and and the things that the obstacles that come with trying to be better by your society by your environment and all of that um it's not easy so um i just know that it'll be very challenging and difficult but definitely one that's for the idea of making sure that you know we protect these lives for sure so i was just i'm i'm looking <clears throat> forward to see where it goes i i think more people and we need to have this conversation more um, and I really appreciate some of the sex workers I follow on social media that really have enlightened me on a lot of these subjects. Um, and so I'm, I was, I was very happy or pleased to see that. Um, this was an interesting quick little story, um, that apparently in Connecticut, some people are working on a bill that would require black and Latino studies in high school. And so I was really surprised because a little pl a place like Connecticut um, is not exactly where I assumed this kind of thing would happen. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, a step forward. Again, a, something that really feels necessary because it's so unheard of unless you specifically take um, these sort of courses. And I think, um, I don't know, it sounds really interesting and exciting. And I, I, I'm always fascinated by these things because... Like I, I've, I mention often rather is how confused in the Latinx identity our people are because they don't have the, the access to resources and this information and really feeling empowered by their history and knowing their history. Um, so to require this would be really interesting to see from a place like Connecticut. So there you have it. We got some more juice for you. And I am going to pass this next one to our dear sweet pat 
So, um, Women's World Cup is uh, coming up, in case you didn't know. I probably didn't, because media hasn't covered it. Why, Pat? Because sexism. What's that? Even though we've won three World Cups, and we're going for our fourth. It's happening. Mexico won three World Cups already? No, Mexico. U.S. Women's has, is oh, what I'm that's referring what, I'm to. I'm sorry. I was wow. confused. Um, they're actually the reason I've got into soccer was the U.S. Women's National Team because of Mia Hamm. So I've been a fan since I was a kid. Okay. Um, but yes, it is starting June 9th and the women's team will be playing their first game June 11th against Thailand, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, they I just wanted to bring that up because I mean, nobody talks about it and they're going for their fourth run um they actually submitted a thing to get equal pay because unfortunately the men's team don't do shit and we still must produce all this stuff for them and pay them all this money and they can't even make it to the world cup so y'all be looking out for um (laughs) they fucking suck they're fucking trash okay i support the women's team and the mexico mexico women's team but yeah, I'm just like, I'm always really salty because nobody's doing any bar. So if any bar wants to let me go watch the game with a group of friends, let me know. Because nobody's doing anything here. Might call just have out, to call them out. Make so, it happen. Hit some up yourself, Pat. I'm going to just have to hit up somebody. But yeah, it's coming up. If anybody wants to watch the game with me, let me know. But it's it's actually pretty cool. This is the this year we have 24 teams. And like only 10 years ago, there was like only 10. Wow, that's a or 16, yeah, 16 to 24 now. Um, Jamaica's one of the teams, and Bob Marley's daughter is actually one of the reasons why they're playing over there. So I thought and that was kind of cool. Oh, it's in France. Mm-hmm, it's in France. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. We. Oui. So, yeah. Wow, Bruno and Louis, so funny. How's it feel? That's how you always make fun of me. So, yeah, I'm ready to watch Alex and Megan Rapino and all of the greats. Yes. All right, cool. so... Soccer, sports. Sorry, I'm just looking at... um, Your turn, Rafa, to cover the next sports topic. I didn't even put that one in there. But we want you to cover it. All right. Well, our next topic is going... Is more sports because we know you love the sports. And I really put this in because I related to this topic. And I really didn't. But I'm just being funny. I was excited to see a Mexican heavyweight champion because I was like, same. I am also that. And I'm going to give it to Rafa because he probably knows about this fight a lot better than I did. Take it away, Raf. It was just an upset. No one expected Andy Ruiz to, to win because he was like a last minute fill-in. The guy that he was supposed to fight, um, Anthony Joshua's... Everyone was saying that he was going to win. And then the guy that he was supposed to box, I forget who it was, failed a bunch of drug tests. Same. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm not on drugs. I'm scared. (laughs) And so Andy Reese was a a fill-in, like not a last minute, last minute. Where's he from? um, I think he's from California. His parents are undocumented, though. And they immigrated. And I think, I want to say Mexicali, maybe. Okay. Um, But yes, first Mexican, first boxer of mexican descent to win the heavyweight championship i was definitely like the fat jokes got old really fast they did but i was really pissed because as soon as i saw when i was like y'all motherfuckers think that he ain't athletic like are like, you they were making me? jokes about him idiots. saying like oh tacos and beer won it and i'm like if y'all motherfuckers knew anything 
And Andy Reese is fast as a motherfucker, right. and he's super athletic. But I think that tells you how much we don't know about our body and physicality in general, because people see bigness and equate it to like unhealthy. And that's very true of like even the whole body positive like movement and all that. There's so many layers we haven't talked about, we haven't discussed, and so like for me, the fat jokes. I'm like, I'm a fat bitch. I can say something, but you don't. You won't catch me saying that kind of shit. I was just like, okay, y'all, y'all are stupid like dumb. yeah like, it, it was, was it was it's like, annoying that's cheap it's easy like it get is. the fuck out of here i agree is that why you made me read this because you knew i was gonna get mad no i didn't but i'm y'all glad won't to say see... that to andy reese's face though y'all won't say it to his face true say that facts. shit to his face facts um sorry i'm glad you're passionate about it i'm love to see more people be passionate about making fat jokes but you know who am i um i'm also gonna give you this next topic because it's about your boy <laughs> that was my really terrible impersonation oh my god what it was, was really that? terrible. I, I can't do it i'm not him but jay-z is officially hip-hop's world i mean whoops hip-hop's first created billionaire yeah self-created is that correct yes take it away marcy project's own crazy even though yeah. this is a weird conversation too it's like <clears throat> people that like want to gentrify but that's a whole another ball game because that was a weird little conversation he had re- recently but yeah. that's not what we're discussing so go on jay-z for the gram and for the world to know oh, is hip-hop's first billionaire i'm happy that he got there before diddy same or i kind of wanted it to be him or papa papa puff papa or whatever Smurf? Uh, yeah, I'm still mad because Puffy would still say his fucking name all over every Biggie track. Yikes. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, bro. You have not dropped that. Yeah, I was just really mad about that. Okay. Uh, so I was happy. I'm not a big Suge Knight fan, but I was happy when Suge said, if y'all want someone that ain't going to be all in your videos, saying their name all on your songs, come to death row. Yikes. All oh, right, yeah. bring it back to Jay-Z now. Jay-Z. Thank you. Uh, Entrepreneur, musician, rock nation the the sports uh i forget what rock Na- is it rock nation sports is that the name of the <laughs> thanks pat us. uh do say ace of spades and real estate and he buys a lot of art and everything all this wealth that he's amassed has made him a billionaire according to forbes a lot of people are going to hate hate on that but he's a smart man Right. And he it's really dope to see his story because it is a meteoric rise when you talk about how wealth in this country comes to be and how it's generational in terms of like how white people accumulate that mm-hmm. and how trust funds and garden right. your money and all this shit is built a small around a loan of ten million dollars. Right. Or what and, was and it? One million dollars. Yeah. Built around all these families that are basically born into something like that. Like Jay Z came from the fucking projects, yeah, straight up, and built this shit. Yeah, and it's it's just really dope to see because it is an example of the things that can happen when you understand the game, when you're intelligent, when you're wise, and you navigate these fucking toxic and poisonous ass waters in a way that you're like, yo, I'm good, but I'm gonna make sure that my families are good for generations to come. Right. And so it was really dope to see that. Yes. it's dope to hear that it is definitely very um exciting in that regard i definitely um you know i'm not super into capitalism so much so much anymore um so that kind of i guess would be my pushback there which is like 
um for someone like him who you know has kind of been saying like gentrify your own hoods and it's like i don't know that gets that's not it that's not how it's supposed to go um and he is doing really great things with his money as well but because we have such a emphasis on making as much money as possible for yourself it it becomes kind of toxic in my opinion as well um and so i think that's something we really need to talk about and unpack moving forward because as amazing as it is his story his journey um really kind of living the american dream in a way that nobody's ever seen it in the and and you know i i got love for jc there's definitely lots of things though that i think we still need to discuss moving forward um because i think so often with poc our focus is money 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 when it's like even with all that money look how much shit's still going on and how much you could do with that money or how you can help influence and change the system so that we don't only focus on our success and productivity as the number of dollar signs behind our name and i and and not to take away from from the idea that idea or the point that you're making but um, when someone like him says gentrify your hoods, like I take it a little bit differently because ultimately what the word gentrification has come to be now is something that I associate with like, you know, that negative like infiltration of uh, of a community, of a people. And the way I see it when someone like Jay-Z says it, it's like ultimately to gentrify is to make better, to improve. And if you're able to bring your people up in a way that's like, we're not going anywhere, but we are going to raise our quality of life and make sure that we're sustainable and not live paycheck to paycheck, then we're going to do it. And so I see it as a, like, almost like a sermon to the people that are at the like mercy invest in your own community but it's also thing, right? not but but then to me like because that's where it gets complicated because that's in theory what the word is initially meant but that's not what it technically means now and so that's i believe called like urban urban redevelopment or something like that is another term they coin and so then to me it's like when does it become hentification right which you discussed as well which is these people that aren't even from the hoods or oh i should have bought this money but then i went and lived my bougie life which he does and then i'm gonna go back to the hood and buy it and recreate this thing and is it even for the people that are still living there like i can't just say yes jay-z that's cool because that's not what it is and i was glad to see a lot of the twitter discourse and i always bring up twitter because so many good conversations and knowledge is on twitter so i'm not just trying to be funny but like genuinely speaking like that's not the answer either and like i think I'm not that's saying a it's further the answer. conversation because yeah i'm saying that we, someone there's a like lot Jay-Z, of muddied things right in there. and jay-z saying something like that and when ultimately the type of work that he's done for the community really does speak for itself against someone who will on this very block work for the opposite way like i do take it as one of those messages of inspiration to uplift my community i'm not going to associate myself with the type of workflow that jay-z has operated on because he's very different and yes there are some things that i disagree on but i will take jay-z's gentrify your hoods as a message of uplifting my own community any day over these developers that will right give my family some money so that they can get out of these hoods so they can then like boost the property value five times and i think that's where like we do need to have these conversations because then at what point are we not doing the same thing they are even if we are poc or we don't come from wealth and that's where it's like with a with capitalism founded on slavery and all these different things like we really need to know that knowledge and 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 see how we can build community yeah with the amount of wealth this man has right because all of these people that are are giving us the money and making sure that we get the scraps and nothing more than that 
are banking off of that. Because I believe somebody, like some a friend of mine, I, um, was saying like he has money in, um, what is it called? The things that the home ar- house arrest stuff, the anklets. He apparently has money in that too. Yeah. And it's like, why are you going to put money in that when you can put it somewhere else where we can also dismantle the system that's even requiring people to, we can abolish prisons and talk about those conversations. But I keep having that conversation with with friends because i think we so often don't can't even imagine this beautiful world we could live without ice without prisons without all these things that are so ingrained into what norm is in society and so i really just think we should consider pushing these conversations a little bit further and really imagining what we want the world to look like so that we can really heal as a people and take care of the earth and do all these things that we'd like to see those conversations are being had by a very small percentage of of people like us yeah and it's easy to control the masses when they're ignorant when and when they don't want the knowledge and when they don't want that understanding but yeah you're right like he his money is in a lot of places that i wouldn't have my money in right but i'm also not in in the position to to talk about that but again when it comes to the type of society that we live in in this country how do you get to a place where he gets to and do as much good as he does without investing your money in these companies without having money he's got a huge stake in uber and i'm like man i don't even fuck with uber right and i, I think it's fucking whack and that's but- where it's like i want to hold these people accountable too they can still be you know our problematic faves or these icons and these celebrities and these stars and recognize that like they don't have all the access to this information either because they're building their success on wealth or whatever it may be and so I really want us to consider these things and recognizing it um, from the bottom up, basically. Um, so to wrap up the juice, this conversation or this last piece probably will also have changed by the time this episode comes out. But apparently um, the breaking news was that House votes in favor of Dream and Promise Act, which is called H.R. 6. Um, and so we are hoping for TPS Justice as well so that is all in reference to um um our undocumented community so i just wanted to put that out there um because that is definitely a good thing and we'll see what comes next of this um so hopefully it all goes in a good direction even though who the fuck knows with the way our government is set up so um we will wrap up the juice there does anybody else have any other juicy juice that they wanted to spill i know that i saw some of um i was about to say how they see us but it's when they see us when they see us (laughs) thank you um so i watched i'll just briefly touch on it um i only saw one episode and it was a lot more triggering than i anticipated it was really powerful and it's a really necessary piece of work Um, but be mindful of yourself when you're watching that and again this piece of work in my opinion reiterates a lot of these themes we're discussing and that um, we do not have to trust these systems or tell these systems things if we don't um, want to even though they are made to manipulate us so I will maybe chat a little bit more about that later once Rafa hopefully watches so that uh, I'm not the only one talking about it. Um, And I don't mean that as shade. I just genuinely like having... No, I do. It's on my queue. I genuinely want to have an in-depth conversation about that as well. With that said, we can jump into our interview. 
So I'm welcoming to The Colores Radio two very special guests who I'm kind of fangirling about because I've been fan from afar and then I'd see them in real life and they like hug me and I'm like, they know me. Oh my gosh. But we're welcoming to the show Vicky Meek and Marion Marshall. Yay! I'm gonna I'm gonna read our bios. Here we go. We have high budget here, Vicky. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Vicky Meek is a native of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a nationally recognized artist featured in the permanent collections of the African American Museum in Dallas, the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, and Norwalk Community College in Norwalk, Connecticut. Awarded three public art commissions with the Dallas area Rapid Transit Art Program, and was co artist on the largest public art project in dallas the dallas convention center public art project wow they really went with that name meek was also selected (laughs) sorry meek was also selected as one of the 10 national artists to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the nasher sculpture center with the commissioning of a site-specific installation she's also an independent curator writes cultural criticism for dallas weekly with her blog art and race notes and wrote a monthly column, Articulate for Theater Jones, an online performing arts magazine which will launch as a podcast on DallasWeekly.com soon. Meek is also an adjunct faculty member for UMass Arts Extension Program in Amherst, Massachusetts, where she teaches an online course in cultural equity in the arts. With over 40 years of arts administrative experience that includes working as a senior program administrator for a state arts agency, a local arts agency, and running a nonprofit visual arts center after 20 years, ooh, period, after 20 years, Vicky Meek retired in March 2016 as the manager of the South Dallas Cultural Center, a division of the City of Dallas Office of Cultural Affairs. She served on the board of National Performance Network, Visual Arts Network from 2008 to 2015 and was chair from 2012 to 2014. In 2016, she was selected to be a fellow in the Intercultural Leadership Institute and is a voting member of Alternate Roots, an art service organization serving Southern artists. Meek's grants and awards include National Endowment for the Arts, NFRIG grant, Dallas Observer Mastermind Award, Dallas Museum of Art, Otis and Velma Davis Dozier Travel Grant, Texas Black Filmmakers Mission Award, Women of Visionary Influence Mentor Award, and Dallas Women's Foundation Mara Award. Vicky Meek is currently a full-time artist who splits her time between Dallas and Costa Rica, where she is Chief Operating Officer and Board Member of UCRA. Center for Creative I should have said in Spanish. That's what it is. Uh, for Creative Investigation, a nonprofit retreat for creatives in a wide range of disciplines founded by internationally acclaimed performance perpor, uh, performance artist Elia Arce. Um, that is the lovely Miss Vicky Meek with us today. And we also have the always divine Marion Marshall. And of course, because she's so unique, she sent us 10 things you should know about Marion Marshall. Easy. Owner of Absolutely Blooming, floral decor and planning for weddings and events. Number one, I kind of want you to read these because they say I am. Do you want to read it or you want me to go for it? Texan by... It's what, oh, I tell people. Re- yeah, I'll read them for you. Okay, do you remember them all? You want to see it? Mm-hmm. Let me see it. I'll okay. Because she's going to make some new ones anyway. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, 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 just the 10. Just the 10. <clears throat> so, on that first on that list, it says, I'm a Southern Belle by birth, 
Columbus, Georgia, and a Texan by choice, mm. Dallas, Texas. So I've lived in Dallas over 30 years, so this is home for me. I'm an artist. I'm a former college professor in the, in the area of fashion design. I had a line of clothing um, before I switched to doing floral and planning. I love weddings and events. Mm. They make me cry. Aww. Start make uh, money. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. In 2013, through a friend, I had the privilege of uh, volunteering to participate at, at Christmas at the White House. Ooh. And Michelle Obama came down and gave the message. I mean, it was a big deal. That was a lot of fun. Really, really a lot oh of fun. Oh, my God. Marion's room was fabulous. Yes. The Red Room. Ooh. Check it out. And check me out on HTV, HGTV for that segment. What? That oh, yeah. More is more. We are so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 10 years as a volunteer and mentor for the Peace Through Business, which is a project through the Institute for the Economic Empowerment of Women, who helped businesswomen from Rwanda and Afghanistan. And I've local, I've mentored several local um, women for you know for many years. I have volunteered for several arts and all kinds of organizations. South Dallas Cultural Center was one of my main focuses. Uh, the, I, you know, I love helping people, and one of the fun things that I got a chance to do there, I ran a midnight jazz jam session Ooh. from midnight to two a.m. Y'all are too cool. And, uh... No, it was midnight to three a.m. Oh, oh my! Midnight Don't you forget that last hour. Three a.m. It was. It was. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so. Much we need fun. to do that here. That sounds fun. No, no, midnight to three. Better. <laughs> and I was then, like, I've, I've uh, heard the legend. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I'm having a significant birthday this year, so I'm gonna do some fun things yes. and share that with my friends. Uh, my newest project is Colored Noise and a a, a, a resource for fashion and beauty for local. I love paper. Mm. So the New York Times, the yes. Wall Street Journal, and I live in the bookstore. So Yay. that's what you know. Those are the 10 things we know now, but we're going to learn more the about ten. the lovely Vicky Meek and Marion Marshall. I'm so glad y'all are with us. Welcome to the Colores Radio. I am... I'm gonna I'm gonna tone down my uh, fangirl and and have to become a full interviewer now. Um, but y'all are both uh, so as quick as soon as you come to Dallas, these names are thrown around like right away. As soon as I came back from college, um, I learned about both of you really quickly, and so I think that proves to what you've done and your legacy that y'all have created. But we're gonna start at the very beginning. And if we can know about y'all's upbringing, y'all were both not from Texas. So right. I'd love to hear about the start of your early life. Well, I, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And um, I was born to two parents who were <clears throat> uh, major activists. Um, actually, they were um, on the far left mm -hmm. of the spectrum. They were part of the Progressive Party, so they were blacklisted cool. wow. during the 50s. And so the beginning of my life, I remember very clearly some of the things that happened as a result of them being blacklisted. Wow. Um, and so um, it was always a part of my being mm -hmm. uh, to be responsible to my community. Wow. Um, my parents were big supporters of the arts, mm -hmm. and even though neither one of them were artists, they both supported anything we ever wanted to do in the arts. So in mm -hmm. Philadelphia at the time, now I'm, now I'm, a, I'm older than her, mm -hmm. a lot older than her. <laughs> um, 
So uh, we're talking about the 1950s. Okay. Um, none of y'all were even thoughts in your parents' minds. <laughs> Maybe but not. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Philadelphia at that time mm. was really very progressive when it came to the arts. So there okay. was um, free arts programming for just about any art form you could think of that public school kids wanted to do. Wow. So I got my early arts training at a place called Fleischer Memorial Art School um, at the age of eight when I decided I was going to be a sculptor. Okay, wow, my you mother, knew. My mother said, okay, well, well, we'll get you someplace where you can do that. And so I would every Saturday go down for my classes. And then I also was a dancer. So down the street from that was the Settlement Music School and mm-hmm. Art School, uh, mu- Settlement Music and Performing School. And that's where I took my dance classes. So I did my dance there, my visual art at Fleischer, and um, my sisters and brothers did other things in the arts. And so my parents ended up with five artists oh wow is it five uh, of y'all all together mm-hmm. yeah okay. um so i did visual arts my brother ended up being a musician the other brother went into architecture there was wow. a sister who's a, a dancer mm-hmm. uh and then actually birdie was the my youngest sister was the one who never really pursued it she took the classes and all but she she didn't start singing until she was like i think she was like in her late 30s oh wow when she actually decided she was going to do that so um, so, you know, I had, the arts were a part of our life, mm-hmm. our entire childhood. Right. Um, my parents became collectors once they were able to get real jobs, mm-hmm. once the, you know, the, the uh, McCarthy era was over. And that's um, when they got black, was, was during that era yeah. specifically? Yeah. Were you the oldest of all this? No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm the middle child. I had Ooh. two older brothers, two younger sisters. Did you feel the middle child syndrome? No, because I was the oldest girl. Mm-hmm. So and they was like, you know. Dynamic there. So they all adored me i love it i love it (laughs) anyway um so no i didn't really have middle child syndrome okay see it's a myth no i'm just kidding it's not a myth if (laughs) you i think it might have been a myth if if you didn't have the kind of parents i had Mm -hmm. you know but my parents first of all my parents didn't believe in in favorites Mm -hmm. um they my mom was real good about identifying what each of her children needed wow and so we all got different things from her. So it was a very you know. healthy upbringing. I'd say. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, my, my siblings and I talk about that all the time, how, how blessed we are mm-hmm. that, that we are, you know, we listen to people our age talking about their relationships with their parents right. and their siblings, and it's like, you don't love your people? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't There's know what that would so be like. There's usually so much trauma. Yeah, and no, a lot we didn't of... have any sibling rivalry or none wow. of that None of that mess. In fact, that's where I'm going this weekend. I'm Aww. going to have a sibling reunion. How cute. We'll and they're that. all over the U.S.? No, or? I'm the only person that's in this place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only like one it. that dipped. <laughs> That was it. That was in charge. I'm the only one that's in this place. In this place, you know what it is. My my brothers and sisters are all on the East Coast. They, okay, you know they're not all in in Philadelphia. There's gotcha. only one brother left in Philadelphia. They're in New York, Philadelphia, and Durham, North Carolina. Okay, and Allentown, Pennsylvania. Ooh, don't forget Allentown. <laughs> We try, but we oh can't. Okay, so we're going to go back, but we're going to um, jump to Marianne with the same question. So I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. My father was military. Mm. Uh, he's from South Carolina. My mother is, was a school teacher. She taught home ec. Okay. She's from a little town called Bell Buckle, Tennessee. Ooh-wee. And I grew up with a brother. I have a younger brother. Mm-hmm. And then my parents adopted one of her nephews, well, she adopted one of the nieces and raised one of the one of her nephews. Mm-hmm. And so those were considered our, you know, our, our brother and sisters. But I grew up in Columbus. My mother was a home ec teacher. 
and I, you know, I began to sew at 10. Oh, wow. Um, my father was fairly strict. My father was a, you know, a, Military, a great, guy, great guy, a raging alcoholic on the weekends, mm. but he was sober during the week. And so that was my, mm-hmm. you know, she's talking about what happened at home. Yeah. But um, I got an opportunity to, to, to sew. You mm. know, I made my first wedding dress at 16 for one of my. Wow. For one I of my. Yeah. You're learning from one of my <laughs> for one of my uh, for my dance instructors. So you wow. know, I, I danced. I took ballet, jazz, mm. and tapped, and Yay. danced in high school and beautiful. And, and danced in college and danced and danced in college and and decided after going to get you know the bachelor's degree that I wanted to pursue mm-hmm. fashion. But um, you know, in Columbus at that time, you know, when you hear the stories about George Wallace mm-hmm. and what was happening in the South, right? We got a, got a chance to see a lot of that firsthand, okay. particularly in Phoenix City. Mm-hmm. So, you know, living in the South was exactly the things that you now hear about mm-hmm. what happened in the South. You know, they were real, right? Um, I remember integration for teachers was when I was in fifth grade. When oh, I was about wow! 10. And then integration for students was when we were like in middle school. So we went out to one of the wealthiest middle schools. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, you got to see, you know, in neighborhoods that we had never been in. Right. But uh, it, w- it was a great, op- you know, my mother's still living. She's 90. So I was about to say, I remember her birthday and you were posting about yes, it. It was so the sweet. Queen lives. She Aww. lives. But, you know, it was a it was an interesting background in, uh, in that my parents, you know, they were military. My father was military, mm-hmm. but. They weren't so much in the arts, but you know there were things like we went to see the fashion fair that Mm. Ebony put on every year from the time I was a little girl. And there was it was okay. okay. Always in Columbus, they did these great fashion shows. So you know that's how I got exposed to it. Got exposed to it, made my way to fashion, and you know found my love for sewing and all things pretty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So your first experiences with fashion specifically, was it attending that show? Attending that show. You know, my, I I got to, I learned how to sew when I was 10. So I was always sewing. And that was from moms. And it's funny. My mother didn't teach me how to sew. Oh, wow. She ran this great summer program. She taught out in the country. Okay. She taught um, about 25 miles, like from here to Fort Worth, maybe. Okay. Poor, rural, uh, black folks mm-hmm. and she spent her time that and that's where I learned the gift of giving and doing for others mm-hmm. because she did things for those folks I mean right. you know from bringing groceries to I remember she took them on trips they had never been out of they hadn't even been to Columbus let alone down the road or to New York City right but you know I learned to sew in her summer program and you know that was that was the beginning of the end because you know on weekends that's all I wanted to be mm-hmm. doing I needed me a a pattern and some fabric and let's make some pants. Right. Make it happen. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Alrighty. So then from there, you all both knew at a, at a pretty young age, what you kind of wanted to pursue. You were both influenced by the arts, even though your parents mm. um, didn't necessarily have that direct line um, in specific ways, but they were clearly supporters from the outside. Um, so then we'll- actually my parents had direct lines. They just okay. were artists themselves. Got it. You know, got my, it. My got it. My father's brother was a musician who played with King Oliver's band mm. back in the 1920s. So they, they were definitely in yeah. that scene yeah. for sure. So then what happened next? You, you went to high school and how was your high school, your schooling experience? I know you touched on like the South is the South. Oh yeah. You know, I was an, I was an athlete. So I, you know, I ran track. I was a cheerleader, I was a dancer, but I was making clothes too. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated college, I really wanted to go to a fashion school in New York. And my parents just, my mother just couldn't see that. Yeah. She just could not see that. 
So I went to Grambling State, went mm-hmm. to a traditional, you know, college HBCU, went on to uh, graduate there, and I moved Nashville and came to Dallas, and I discovered the community college. I discovered El Centro. Mm-hmm. What? What brought you to Dallas from Grambling? My friends. I had some friends that I went to college with. There were some walls that used to be a professional football player here. Oh. He and his wife, Sherelle, were my friends in college. Okay. And they grew up in Hamilton Park. All right. Which is one of the early settlements of black folks, mm-hmm. you know, going north. Mm-hmm. And I would come visit them on the weekends and... Her mom said, you should move here. And one day I left here and went back to Shreveport and told them, you know what? This is over. Aww. And I moved and I, and I moved to Dallas. But I found my way to the community college, which was, you know, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, went to El Centro. After El Centro, uh, Jan Strempel, who was running this, doing this really cool program, talking about people who had changed careers because I had left the world of business and come to fashion. To fashion. So I got a chance to do that. And then the next thing I know, I was teaching. And wow. And then I found my way, you know, found my way to, which I had said I'd never do. Never. I remember my mom. I just thought, I wouldn't even bother about other people, <laughs> children. But I found my way to, you know, I found my way two years at Prairie View and spent about seven years at UNT and then to the community college. And, you know, it's, it was great. I Mm -hmm. mean, I I think that's, I can say that was the thing in my life that I really enjoyed the most was teaching, Mm. watching those little eyes light up when that bulb went off and they said, Oh, I got it. I get it. That is a sweet feeling. Yeah. And and for you? Well, I went, I, I did not do art in high school because I was doing my art out of school okay and my mother and father felt like in case I changed my mind Mm -hmm. I should have a solid academic background so I actually did um AP classes and and regular you know stuff Mm -hmm. and 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 she talks about the south but you know the north was also had its own issues with with uh segregation now I we moved from north Philadelphia to Mount Airy which is the in Philadelphia, it's known as being the, a, a planned, integrated community. It still mm. is today. It's one of the only ones in Philadelphia that still is that way. So when I was in high school, I went to Germantown High School, which was integrated. We were 40% black, 60% white. By the time Germantown. my baby sister, Germantown High School was yeah, the name of it. That's that was funny. It. Um, by the time my sister, however, ba- my baby sister came along, the whole school was black by that time because oh, wow. of white flight. But anyway, mm-hmm. be that as it may. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that's so- important you bring that up, though, because even with a lot of these current conversations, everybody, or even with the thing in Alabama and this and that, people are like, oh, the South, forget about the oh, South. No. And it's like, no, there, there's no, we- that stigma almost, and it's, it's no, evident uh, still. I tell people the Mason-Dixon line starts at Canada. Ooh. You know, that's, Ooh, that's, that's what you need to know. Indeed. Um, and right. anybody up north that doesn't tell you that is lying, right. you know, because um, we were constantly picketing every weekend in Philadelphia or something, you mm-hmm. know, for discrimination. But for in sure. any event, um, so I um, I graduated ninth in my class, wow. in a class of a thousand. So oh, my Ooh. gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So smart. Anyway, um, uh, and went to RISD, Rhode okay. Island School of Design. That's where Very I first cool. went, and I was the only black female in the entire school. Wow. So that lasted one year. Wow. And I had to go. Adios, y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't gonna use me this way, mm. um, because that was the year the the I went in in '67, and of course the next year Dr. King was killed. Wow. And my parents. 
I mean, we we were very involved in the civil rights movement. My mm-hmm. father was responsible for bringing King to Philadelphia when we wow. were raising money. I mean, I sat with Fannie Lou Hamer and mm-hmm. you know help we help raise. Wow. I mean, my my life in that world. Yeah. I mean, I as an adult think back on it and think, my God, you mm-hmm. know, I, all this stuff. But of course, as a child, you don't. I was going say in that moment, it. what did you think, or were you just you don't going think along with it? it? That's it what your life your, is. Mm-hmm, you know, you it's like my girlfriend it. Patty, who's who's um, Wyatt T. Walker's her father. Mm-hmm. You know, she said she didn't think about the fact that Dr. King was always at their house, or you know, because that's your life. You don't. Right, it, you know, it isn't it. unusual to right. you until you're an adult and you think back on it and you realize, wow, holy crap, you know, this is this is what we did on a, a regular. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to RISD, that didn't work out, um, and I transferred to Tyler School of Fine Arts, which is part of Temple University outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Um, and that was fabulous because it was, I mean, it didn't have that many black students, but the, mm-hmm. it was in a major city. And the year I got back was when I went to Italy. I went to school for a year in Italy. Wow. And what part of Italy? Roma. All right, you gotta go Roma. there. <laughs> I lived in Pistoia for a, a uh, what was it? Two weeks. We had to live with a family so we could learn Italian, mm-hmm. and then we went to to Rome. But in any event, and that was a real eye opener for me because I was 19 years old, and it was the first time that I had been way far out of the country. We'd been to Canada, you know, like places close in, but we had not been across the ocean. And that's when I realized that you know black people weren't hated everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. you know, because at that time. African Americans were like, you know, oh wow, right? You the you the African, oh my goodness! So that was you know, amazing. And that was at what time? Sixty sixty nine. Okay, that was nineteen sixty nine. So um, I mean, things have changed now. You know, all them back to being racist now, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You know. Yeah, I didn't even know. That. I honestly didn't even know that period existed. Yeah. That's what I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it was That's it, awesome. well, you know, because remember, the civil rights movement influenced the entire world, mm. and so you had, you know all kind of, of freedom movements all across the world that were going on in the 60s. It. And so that, and they saw us as being, you know, the instigators mm-hmm. of all of that. Mm-hmm. So we were like heroes. Right. But, um, you know, everything's wow. back to normal now. Everything's completely <laughs> flip-flopped. Wow. Because I didn't even think of that. Obviously, I, mm-hmm. I was not there. But recognizing the power of what that movement created mm-hmm. across the globe. Right, exactly. It's really, mean, it was, really It was the spark for so many freedom movements around the world. So, um, And I mean, you know, I had a great time in Italy. But at the same time, it, you know, I'm the type of person who I couldn't be blind to the fact that the Italians were colonialists and that, mm. that and that they treated the Ethiopians like shit mm. you know even though they were treating me like gold they were treating them like shit wow. so I was like no this is not cool um so people asked me all the time didn't you want to stay you know wouldn't you love it I said nope wow. you know and I mean as <laughs> fucked up as America is I'm like <laughs> I understand that right you know and I know what to do with that right. you know but you know this stuff here is a little bit different so I, I went back home after a year, and then I graduated and um, went to graduate school in Wisconsin. Okay. And that's where I got my MFA, and that was, <laughs> was cold on many levels. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got the degree, but it was a struggle. Right. So I I want y'all to, if you can, talk a little more or are comfortable in doing so with your 
um, blackness and being a woman within these fields, right? Because they're both fields that predominantly, even if they're most influenced by these people, they don't give any right. credit to these people. Right. Um, so how have you navigated that from that young age? And then, you know, I definitely want to follow up with how y'all got to Dallas and how that journey went. But I know even to this day, it's clearly um, a huge issue. Well, you know, I started in a field that's known as a male's field, sculpture. Mm -hmm. You right. know, they always talked about macho art is sculpture. Um, so I was uh, going on an uphill uh, slope from day one. Mm -hmm. But my mother and father were smart enough to say, as a little girl, she needs to see examples mm -hmm. of, you know, women. So she, wow. they put Elizabeth Catlin in front of me immediately. That's, that was when I, I wanted to make sure that you brought that up because to me, like, even here... Uh, knowing about the Taller de Grafica Popular mm -hmm. and like understanding like the revolutionary um, like backing behind art and and printmaking and things like that, I know that she was a huge part of that. Yes. And then like learning that she was your mentor, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we need to we need to know. Like we yeah, no, she they they put her in front of me immediately, and mm -hmm. then, and for two reasons that one, of course, she was a woman, a black woman sculptor. Mm -hmm. But also her politics were right on point. You know, she was also a, a communist. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, she never joined the Communist Party, but she was definitely leftist. Um, when she left America, she was blacklisted, um, mm -hmm. which so she couldn't come back. So they, wow. you know, my parents were approving of her, not just her art, but her politics her as entire, well. So like, they felt like she was like the perfect type right. of woman for me. And then they also put Selma Burke in front. I mean, they put some other black mm -hmm. women artists in front of me too. But um, you know, so I never grew up thinking that it was impossible to do what mm -hmm. I wanted to do. You know, yeah. I knew that I was not, um, I didn't have stars in my eyes about it. I understood that I probably wasn't going to make a living doing it right. because, you know, Elizabeth never really got her work recognized until she was in her 70s. Mm. Um, and that was when they, she began to get museum shows and stuff like that. But people think that she was always famous. No, she was, she was doing teaching. You know, wow. when she went to Mexico, she became a, a, a professor. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so, um I was very realistic because of that. Now, my dad also ran a, um, a center in Philadelphia called the Wharton Center, and so he would always have art exhibitions, and so I was constantly around black artists. Mm -hmm. So it never occurred to me the that I couldn't be The inspiration was always one. there. Yeah, not that many women artists, mm -hmm. but, but you know, I was always around black artists. So the inspiration was there, and the, the encouragement was there. And then I was in Philadelphia where there were lots of black artists, mm -hmm. you know, who were working artists. Right. No shortage of it there. No, no. I didn't have to, you know, look for them. They were they were always around. Mm -hmm. So that part of my life was a very um, uh, easy part of it. Is I, when I went to RISD was the first time I recognized that, you know, we weren't in we, we weren't in plentiful supply. Right. Um, and we also had it was the first time I had encountered these black folks who didn't know anything about their history. Right. You know, I, I mean, that was like new That's to me. Like, it was just like, uh, it's a privilege now, right, to even know your history, unfortunately. And so it's like uh, a key thing with some of our guests is if they have a really good, strong foundation, um, kind of encouraging that identity early on and having mm -hmm. that representation from the beginning is when they they know directly who they are. They mm -hmm. know what their goal is and they and they roll with it. And I know um, a lot of us, I, I think especially, and I definitely don't mean to make it by a, about us, but like with Latinx identity, that's mm -hmm. completely absent almost because so often a lot of us, not, not all of us, but we have like the undocumented uh, parents that, you know, didn't Keep receive, exactly. They're just here for survival. And um, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. 
well, you know, on the on the fashion end, you have to think uh, even now, and if you look back then, you know, there were some black female designers, but it's always been about male. Mm -hmm. It always has been. So when the Ebony Fashion Fair rolled through Columbus, <clears throat> which was very interesting, so you had some black designers, mm -hmm. but you had always had a lot of the luxe, the couture, the, you know, the couture <laughs> white designers. Uh -huh. And 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 one of the beefs that I had when I when I began to understand that, and one of the reasons that I just actually stopped going was because there were not enough African American women, mm. in particular, that were represented. Right. Um, and that, you know, I, I thought, you know, as, as the world has changed, that we see more women, that they'd include people that were local, just, you know, all kinds of things. And I mean, that show traveled all, you know, it traveled all over the U.S., you know, and other places. Yeah. And, you know, organizations used it to raise money mm -hmm. and they did very, very well. But nobody... Nobody wanted to have that conversation. Right, wanted to push for more. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to have that conversation. And so when you look around, the, when you look at black fashion, I remember when I was teaching at the university, Vicky actually edited this paper for me that I wrote. I, wrote, I presented a paper at a fashion-related conference uh, in Lyon. Uh, and it was about, I think, four or five black designers who were contemporaries of other white designers mm -hmm. who had done very well. Wow. who had got money and support. Mm -hmm. And these guys were equal or better talent mm. and couldn't. Right. So like Stephen Burroughs is actually out of that group of them. I think Stephen Burroughs and, and uh, Jeffrey Banks are still alive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, you, I looked at the, as I was writing that paper and as I was looking at it on my desk two days ago mm -hmm. and I was thinking to myself, so has it changed very much? There's some mm. things that have changed. Right. But I can remember then thinking, I'm not writing about any women. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm writing about a group of guys. Yeah, and in many cases, a group of gay men. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my goal has been able to encourage um, women designers, and 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 of, of of all you know of all colors in many cases because a lot of you know like a lot of. White girls, of course, had it better. Right. But very few African-American women. Mm -hmm. So I started a line early on that did not do well. You know, you all of us have something that we have to do. We have to do it right, right then or right. we're going to die. Of, <laughs> of <laughs> course. Even if it's the wrong time. Yes, you and, just got to do it. And that was me. And, you know, and I did it and it was, it was the horrible timing. But I learned a lot mm -hmm. of lessons about starting a line, trying to raise money, trying to keep it going, trying to... Um, produce, you know, sell and do all of that. And so, you know, from that, you know, you, you realize that that process is really, really difficult Definitely. if you don't have any support. Absolutely. And it was hard to get support. It mm -hmm. really, really was. I can remember being, having the showrooms down at the market hall and there were so few black people and people of color, mm -hmm. you know, the only black people that I might see or people of color that I might see were the people that were, you know, doing all the janitorial I services. Was, I figured that's where that's, it was that, That's where we were mm -hmm. in, or, or in the cafeteria. So it was, you know, Making for a long time. So mm -hmm. my goal has been to help people move people along. Right. Um, 
that want to be designers and and hopefully change the landscape. You know, my parents weren't always supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they came from a time where they thought you know you needed to have a traditional job. Right, of mm-hmm. course. And then pe- a pension. A girl, a pen- girl, <laughs> uh, get you a pension. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, Indeed. you know, the, I'm gonna tell you a secret. Tell us. I went to Risney to be a fashion designer. Okay, secrets out for of the two bag. seconds. Oh, for two seconds, two high seconds. I mean, I went. As you know, that was supposed to be my declared major, and I took a look around at who was around me, and I went, "Oh no, this ain't gonna work out mm. at all." Because I just—I I mean, first of all, I, I, it was—it was full of white gay men. Mm-hmm. That was—that was one thing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was, it was so fucking phony. Mm-hmm. I was like, "How am I supposed to do all that?" Ooh, no, I don't like these people. So I can't pretend. So I, I went back to sculpture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I had studied sculpture all my time, but all that time I'd been making, you know, clothes for my sister's dolls and stuff. Uh. But no, that I, I, I so respected Marion when I met her and found out that she had been in the industry, had had her own line. I still have a dress of hers, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Y'all are so funny. Y'all are so funny. Yeah, we've been friends a long. We've been friends a long time. How did y'all meet? I was trying to remember that, and I can't remember. I know it was through the Black Academy of Arts and Letters at the time. It was a junior Black Academy. Mm. But I was trying to remember what year it was. I can't remember what year it was, but I I do believe because wasn't Patrick like in elementary school? He was he was a little boy, and you know, and I was Patrick, my son, he's thirty six, and I was trying to remember. That's a good time ago. Elizabeth had come through, you know, because that was. I think it was. You know, Elizabeth had come through, and they had the gallery over there, and they were doing. Yeah, I curated a show of hers, and so yeah. we got. You know, we became. You know, really instant you know, friends. Instant really. friends. Um, and and that was the other thing. I you know I loved music, loved jazz, so that's why uh-huh. I spent my time in the streets was listening to music and uh-huh. dancing. And then Vic comes with a you know with the, with the visual part of it, yeah. which was really really great uh-huh. about people that I didn't necessarily know anything about. But fell in love with immediately. I mean, I I can think about. That's how you met Napoleon. And Napo- I mean, yeah, I think yeah. about all the artists that I've met, all the ex- exhibitions that I've been to. All I think I have several things that were autographed by Elizabeth Catlett. Mm. I mean, it just, I just, I, I have in my in my in, in my home, I have an area where I collect brochures uh, of shows that I've gone to see that I like. You know, that I look at often and think about all these people that I got a chance to see. And that's the part of my world that Vicky really opened up to me that kind of married, you know, that kind of put fashion in perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, to me on the hierarchy, it's kind of like, you know, like midway down the run. But, yeah. <laughs> but I really, um, I mean, we got to do some really oh, yeah. great, I mean, stuff. some really great things. And when she, um, when she took the job at the center, mm-hmm. um, I think the the great thing was that you know she gave a voice to um, African American and African diaspora, really. diaspora uh, artists that didn't have a place to you know to show, mm-hmm. and so that's what was so exciting. So you got to we got to see all kinds of you know different things that you know that you normally just don't get to see. You know you just can't. It's not like you can go down I the made DMA. Myself happy. You can't go down to DMA and see the stuff that you really want to see. You know what I mean? It's rare. Once a year, maybe. Every now and again. <laughs> On the holiday. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, or, or any place else that, that my tax dollars are paying mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was a refreshing part. And then all the other things that she would volunteer efforts that she was involved in. And so I got to do a lot of those things, too. And so I, that's where I got a chance to marry my love of music 
and to do some things with the center, which became, you know, you talk about good times. Oh my God. We, you know, there was nothing for Roy Hargrove to come through town and and and, if and he, pop in and mm. pop in after he's played, you know, or Fathead all or I mean, no, everybody. It got to the point he's where like we legends. had we had a jazz program that everybody knew about and made it a point to be a part of when they were in town. It was so it was fabulous. Of it. You know, they were, they were quite envious mm-hmm. of it. Wow, I'm just like sitting in awe. <laughs> um, and she didn't tell you she started what we we don't. We we didn't ha- we couldn't do it for but so long was the Jazz Legends program mm. where we were honoring um, Dallas jazz legends, many of whom were um, no longer living in Dallas, mm-hmm. but you know whose music and what have you definitely oh, its yeah. genesis was was Dallas, and we bring them back in and then we would honor them. And Marion started that program, and what was it? I forget when it was when we realized that they were all dying, and so we had so are we killing them. What's oh happening? my god! Because <laughs> it'd be like we do their their, their no. concert, and then two years later they'd be dead. Well, we, um, um, David Fathead Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, we have no memories. That's the other thing. You have Jeez, to Pat. You get I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> like you know, me. Um, we did Red Garland. We did. We did Red Garland. Al Dupree. Fathead. Well, of course, we did the locals. Roger Boykin. Marshall Ivory. And all of them are. Well, Roger's still alive, but. But almost all of them are dead now. Wow. You know that. I mean, I, I, when we, you when we later right thought time. about it, I realized. I said, "Thank God we did mm-hmm. that." Yeah, I was like, because we documented, we documented them. Wow. You know, because oh, yeah. she was really good about documenting. Mm-hmm. She's um, still good about it. Yeah. I love watching her. Yeah. You know, I was going through my archives. And then, and uh-huh. then the, your boy, the, the jazz writer that died, um, uh, David, David Earl. Earl. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, now that y'all are saying it, I'm like, yeah, because I mean, even even as as uh, as recent as last year, rest in peace, Roy Hargrove passed away. But I was, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, dang, oh, yeah. we it had, was you know, everywhere. Yeah, had I mean, they're, 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 oh my god. Anyway, so it was an instant connection as soon as y'all met. Mm-hmm. It was over 30 years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My Easily. son is 36, and Patrick, I think, was maybe four. Mm-hmm. He's the oldest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, we jumped all over the place, but I'm trying to make sure we got all the puzzle pieces together because it's a great puzzle. <laughs> um, so, y'all, you ended up in Dallas. How did you end up in Dallas? Uh-oh, she rolled her eyes, y'all. <laughs> I don't know if you heard it, but she did it. <laughs> well. I did it the way most women do things. Ooh. You married a man. Ooh. Ooh. Not that. <laughs> you married a man. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, my ex-husband, who was uh, James Washington, better known as Jim Washington mm-hmm. in this town, who's the uh, owner of the Dallas Weekly, he had, we were in graduate school together. Uh-huh. And he had gone to Nashville to be, a, he was a, the PR person for uh, Tennessee State. I had gone to Kentucky State, where I was the art teacher, I mm-hmm. mean, sculpture teacher at Kentucky State. And when we got back together because we had broken up and we weren't going to be together and then we got back together um, gotta love love, love. <laughs> anyway. i love how much you're shaking your head it's my favorite yeah it's like well whatever uh you get you, you get the stars out of your eyes and you're quick. an artist that's a different kind of love <laughs> it was rough let's just put it that way but um uh, when we decided we were going to get married he was originally going to come to new york because he was going to 
placate me. Mm. So he thought, you know. Um, so my dad, he was talking to my dad about his life in Dallas, and he was all excited. And da, 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 da. my dad said, sounds to me like you you got a lot of stuff going on in Dallas. Mm. It sounds like a great place to be. So why are you moving to New York? And he said, well, she wants she wants to be. He said, she don't care where she is. How funny. Have you said what you want to do? Have you Have you told her? He said, well, no. He said, well, maybe you might want to do that because, you know, she'll move anywhere. Daddy knows. So he said, would you move to Dallas? I said, sure. <laughs> Why not? I hadn't been to Dallas. I didn't even know anything about Dallas and other than the Kennedy being shot. You know, that's all that I knew. That is not yeah. a good first look. That, that's all I knew. That's all everybody knows about Dallas. Yeah. Well, you know, Still. You think about it. This, you know, we're talking, we're talking 1974, uh-huh. 70, Fresh, what, 10, 12 years after? 10, yeah, I mean, yeah. that wasn't that long afterwards. Yeah. And so... But he was talking about all this entrepreneurial stuff that was going on and how great it was and blah, blah, blah. So, and then I said, well, what about the arts? Because, you know, I have, to be, I have mm-hmm. to be able to do something. He said, oh, no, the arts are booming. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. And she believed it. She made it boom. <laughs> well, but I, no, that's after being in bed for a year. Because <laughs> when I got here, I was just like, <gasps> I was hyperventilating it, but I was so upset. What are your initial thoughts, both of you, about Dallas when you first oh, came? Oh, I was like, I was, I didn't understand at all yeah. what was going on here. Same. You know, I had me black still. people telling me when I told them that we lived in Bachman Lake area. Black people don't live over there. And How I went, funny. but I just told you I live there. Yeah. I'm black. So, yes, some black people live over there. We're there. there. Yeah. I mean, it was I like. The village, yeah. And then the artists were like, there was nothing going on in the arts, really. I'm talking about white, black, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing was really going on. So I was very depressed the first year. Mm-hmm. And I slept for a lot of it. Mm. You know, then I woke up and said, you know what? If there's nothing something. happening, I'm going to make something happen. There you go. That's how Dallas still does yeah, and that's make the, it. Yeah, and that's the beauty of Dallas mm-hmm. to me. Right. You know, it's like when people say, why didn't you go back to the East Coast when you got divorced? I said, oh, no, you don't understand. I respect what I can do here. Mm-hmm. You know, on the East Coast, you're just another number. Mm. I was one of a million artists in wow. the area, you know. And even though I was doing a lot of stuff, it was like never going to be on the lines of what I could do here. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. You know, by the time I got divorced, I had been in Dallas for, what, 17 years mm-hmm. almost. Okay. So it had been a minute. And that's a big deal to be able to say, aside from being in your practice or any of that, like being able to find a well, way to create okay, something. Because okay. like, I feel like from my understanding, a lot of what has come to fruition within the arts uh, in Dallas in terms of a, like a municipal capacity like started out of like Dallas Park where where it's not even supposed to be mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. and so it's one of these things where people like you kind of pulled these things together and and just created something so the idea that that's never going to go away because something was started mm-hmm. and you laid you laid that foundation down regardless of how how now high up now, we go right? it, you know it, it's and that's why that's one of the reasons why you know like when I when I came here and then Jerry Allen hired me in 1984, I believe it was, because Lena was born in 85, yeah, 1984. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hired me because he knew about my reputation in Connecticut for creating community development programs in the arts. He hired me to set up everything that we now have, which is wow. the funding programs for everybody other than, because there was nobody getting money but the majors back when and I came. And Jerry Allen was? He was, the, he was the head of the city arts program that later became the Office of Cultural OCA. Affairs. Yeah. Got it. 
Um, and he came from Seattle. He okay. was at King County Arts Commission, mm-hmm. you know, revolutionary dude. And I knew about him. <clears throat> he knew about me. And he he had somebody find me. Wow. And take because I was never going back in the arts administration. You know, I was just done with it. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna do that no more. Suppose. And, <laughs> and then we wanted to buy so a house, she. and they said you might better get so a job. You know? <laughs> so, so. so yeah, so you know, and and he let me do whatever I wanted to do, which was I mean, I had stuff like the Art Picks program, which was the first artist residency program, and mm. I had. Um, um, all the all the color people was getting some money all of a sudden, you know. Um, Cora, you know, I gave yeah. Cora her first grant. She wasn't even incorporated wow. at that time. I mean, everybody, I was just like, come on, Go y'all, on get it. this money, get yeah. this money. Um, so we know that's why they can't tell us now what can't be done because I'm still here. Yeah. And I have the institutional it. memory, and they can't tell me that this can't be done. You know, it's like, no, no, it can be done if you want it to be done. Right. So. Ooh, I love it. I know. Marion, your first initial thoughts of Dallas and your journey from there. Well, you know, I'd come out to Dallas quite a bit to visit. Right, right, right. Your friend. What was interesting about living where they lived is that (coughs) Hamilton Park, I think, was one of the first black African-American communities. After slavery. uh, After slavery that's north of, you know, downtown. It was built in the 50s. Okay. So their perspective was a little bit different than the people that I knew that lived south. Right. So the people that lived south live south mm-hmm. it's still a completely different mm-hmm. and the people and, and this group of folks they had only they only knew about they they had shopped north park forever mm-hmm. because the nashers wanted to make that sure that people were welcome there so that that was their mall mm-hmm. people worked there i mean all of that um i i started out in arlington and i'm a big city girl yeah i, I you know i need some Smog and uh-huh. some loud noise. I don't I'm like, I can't go to sleep unless I hear like yeah, a right. helicopter or some sirens. I need some. And that's what I and I was living out in, in I lived out in Arlington for a few months Arlington for a few months and then I moved into the city and um one of my girlfriends from college, her cousin lived right up here at the corner of Jefferson and Edgefield. Mm-hmm. Martinez Properties. Mm-hmm. That was my first apartment in the city. Aww. I lived in, in the village for a little bit, but I moved over here and this reminded me so much of Georgia, where yeah. I grew trees and really pretty. And I liked it. I like you know people of color, I always say that people of color, white people don't always have to move around in our world. <laughs> but we always move around in theirs. Mm-hmm, and so true. you figure that part out. But what I realized that Dallas was a good place to live. It was centrally located, you know, to the world, yes, East and West true. Coast, Europe and A, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And that if you wanted to start a business, if you wanted to do something, you could do that. It was affordable. You could do that. You know, you could have a job or you could work part time. You could you could make it happen. And that's the thing that I like the most about it because when I came to Dallas was when I decided that that I was going to be a, you know, I was going to live on the edge and be mm-hmm. looking over the cliff going, hmm, today's offerings at the bottom are. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the parachute will open, maybe it won't, yeah. but, you know, we'll see. You know, maybe it's going to be a soft landing, but I was, you know, I, I this place gave me an opportunity to jump off the cliff mm. and to do some things. And that's the thing that I, you know, I liked about it the most. And and, and some of the people, yeah. you know, some of the people that I've been friends with for, you know, a lifetime, uh, Vicky included when I was with a friend of mine the other day, uh, 
I met her in Shreveport and she followed me out here eventually. And she reminded me that we had been friends for 40 years. I'm wow. like, oh, damn. <laughs> that is a long time. That's amazing. It's a very long time. Uh-huh. But Dallas is, a, you, know, it, you know, like any other city, but it is a... It's a good it's a good city for business. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to be vigilant, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's um, it's an easy place to raise kids too. That's why I, that's one of the real reasons I didn't leave either because I had children, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that my children's cousins were experiencing life in a way that they have never had to. Right. You know, my nephews have seen several of their friends gunned down in the mm-hmm. streets in Philly. I mean, you know, Philly's a hard town, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my, my nieces in, in New York, although they come from money, you know, they have to grow up too fast. You know, it's, right. just, it's way too sophisticated. One know? extreme or the other. Yeah, yeah, you know, and my kids had a childhood. I mean, they had a great childhood. And they'll tell you that Patrick came back to Dallas. He was just like, Mom, I love Dallas. Oh, wow. You know, he's lived in Atlanta. He's lived in L.A. He's, he's been all around. He's been, you know, traveled around the world. He, he said, I love Dallas. And my, my, my daughter never, Elena couldn't quite get away. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't go away to college for more than a year. But, um, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it is an easy place to me mm-hmm. to live despite its problems. Right. You know, and I exactly. mean, it has its problems, but so who doesn't? Right. Exactly. What you know? city doesn't? For sure. So you all bring up several really important points, and we're already uh, uh, going a little long, but I feel like I need to have you all back because there's so yeah, much more that I want to get into, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to end this yet. Cause I still have questions. So, um, I have so many questions. Um, y'all brought up a really important point, And I think because we're from Dallas, uh, we often take it for granted how much of that, like hope you said is there basically and the ability to build something. Um, and we do, we take it for granted because we, we think of LA and New York and all these other big booming places when it's like, that's the beauty in it is that we can start right here, right? We can build it up and, and we have all the components necessary. We just, I think, in my opinion, a lot of times we're lacking the support mm-hmm. for one another. And I, I know a little bit earlier, you and I were discussing um, community and actually mm-hmm. communicating with each other right. um, to really build that support. Mm-hmm. Because right now there's a lot of really negative things happening in Dallas um, and across the world. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a really hard time in general. But you'll make a great point of the power that is in Dallas and recognizing mm-hmm. that and building it out um, beyond. Yeah, I think I think oftentimes I tell people you need to get out more. If you think if you want to complain about Dallas, you need to get out more, especially in the cultural arts. Right. Because I I say to them, where you name me one other city in the United States that has as many organizations of color on the city payroll, Mm. on the city payroll. We're talking line items in the city. I mean, they may not be getting as much as they want. Right. But there's other cities where they ain't getting nothing. Yeah. And they've been in existence a lot longer mm-hmm. than the Dallas organizations. So, you know, I, I, I know that it's hard to believe that, you know, it's it's okay, you know, that stuff is happening here is okay. But truly, in other places, you don't have near the kind of financial support for the organizations of color that you have in Dallas. Add to that the um, a number of black businesses, you know, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know it because it's so quiet Mm -hmm. but there are more black millionaires in the dallas area than there are in many other areas of the country they just aren't flamboyant like the Uh uh, uh, atlanta ones and you know they're all underground and you know 
they, and, and, and they've made their money in, in things that people in, in the East Coast would never talk about, you know, like right. service industry and mm -hmm. stuff like that. They don't want to talk about those things because they want to say they're like financial wizards or whatever. Right. But, you know, but this man's a multimillionaire and his people clean up houses, okay? Mm -hmm. That's how they made their money That's or they true. fixed cars or whatever they did, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 a place that I, like Marion, you know, I found a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And my child... I mean, you know, he's running his daddy's business. It's it's his now, mm -hmm. you know, and he couldn't do that anywhere else on the shoestring that he's been able, you know, because he's mm -hmm. building it back, right. you know, since his father sort of, you know, didn't really, he left, you know, he mm -hmm. had to leave, but for health reasons. So, you know, all of that is is positive for me. And even stuff like Mothers Against Police Brutality. Absolutely. I mean, Colette has gotten major mm -hmm. policies passed in two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like incredible. Go to Philadelphia and see what you can get done. Yeah. In a police department is as entrenched as that is. You know, right. we're talking two hundred years old beating people's heads, mm. you know. Yeah. So you have to remember those things are, are, are important to not minimize. You yeah. Know? And the fact that you still have a large brown community that still live close to the live in the city mm -hmm. uh, and that's a sleeping giant you yep. know and, and right so, you, so you very you know, you, you very can, big you giant can, you can't you know when you go to other major cities people talk about you say they they say they live in atlanta but they mm -hmm. really live in lithuania Alpharetta. a lot mm -hmm. wherever that is on the outskirts of town mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me when i tell people i said oh i live across, i said i live in south dallas but I can see downtown from my building. I can mm -hmm. walk over there every day if I choose. And so people take that for granted right. that you have the ability to do that mm -hmm. and that you have, um, I, I have to always give this shout out for somebody that I like a lot, Jack Matthews, who came in this mm -hmm. town, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the area where I'm living, uh, the Cedars. At, at Southside in the Cedars in South Dallas, mm -hmm. it, I lived over there in the 80s when Bennett Miller he, I think he started pioneering that area in, 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 in back in the, mm -hmm. in the late in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. And I lived in one of his places. And there were always artists over there that lived. But when when Jack came through there and decided that he wanted, <coughs> excuse me, when he realized that, you know, he, how, how do you have all this great property looking at downtown and nobody wants to come over here because of the zip code. Mm. And because he was Canadian. And didn't did, understand any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> didn't understand the drama that that they had created behind it. All right. And that, you know, you know, his thing were people are people and you know, and he was able to buy this property and develop it. <clears throat> and I I tell people this all the time. I said, he made it safe for the other white people to come down. Oh, That's wow. exactly right. Because the police station went up, and mm. then you know the development of Southside, and then you had another guy Zad put up the bead, and and then he put up and he put up an affordable housing complex. Who who does that? Mm -hmm. And so you think about those kinds of things that you got people mm -hmm. that 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 is that is truly affordable housing. Right. So Dallas is a place that if you look and, and take you want to do it, you can you know you you can, you do, can do those things. And it's and you know and I, I've been involved. I was. I always tell Vic one of the things that I'm uh, I take great pride in is that I really spend a lot of time with a bunch of young people because mm -hmm. I need to know what y'all I need to know what you're doing. <laughs> I need to know how you're approaching things. I need to know the things that you're interested in. I need to know how you. I want to know how you grow in certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think that for some of you, like this program that you have, um, 
to inform people um, so that they have a clear understanding that it it might be difficult, but mm-hmm. it's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. And that there are people out there that will support them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look at Geo's campaign, for instance, such oh, gosh, a good yeah. example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when Absolutely. people say, but he didn't win. Do you realize that man got 37% of the vote with mm-hmm. no money? Yeah. That's a lot. When you look at the numbers. It, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Huge. And people don't understand. Nobody votes in the city like that. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he energized Latinx, the Latinx community in mm-hmm. a way that nobody ever has, including yeah. the Garcias. Yeah. You know, sure. so... And, and now he's continuing with the chocolate squad doing it's it's he's doing all the stuff he's supposed to do. Keep organizing because mm-hmm. I kept telling him, you know, it's all about organization. If you can just get people organized, you can change everything on this, this, of the, this dynamic always, right. campaigns. Always. So, make so a you know, even that is such a way of hope. For sure. I mean, outside of the numbers, how many how many people that had no idea that they would even remotely come close to being involved in politics right. now see it as something that, that they is can a possibility? Yeah, you know exactly. And all that. Exactly. Well, you know, and given what the climate is, you know, of uh, of the time, you know, with the immigration at the top of the list, and all, you know, when you think about that, just that particularly based on the community where mm-hmm. he is, and getting people to really come out and understand that those people who are eligible eligible to vote, that you need to come out. Mm-hmm. This is your opportunity. That's what, right. you know, that's that's why you did all this work and so that you could become a citizen and so that you could vote and that you can have a voice and that somebody is listening. That's right. the other thing mm-hmm. is that somebody really is listening. Right, always, always. So I'm going to ask, I'm bringing y'all back. I already decided. I have not <laughs> consulted the team, but I'm deciding right now. Like we're going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> In front of our face. I know. Like when they leave, they're going to say, they're not going to have come on, come on. What, what is your proudest moment? The birth of my children. Mm. And you have two. Mm-hmm. I, I gathered two. I didn't know. Maybe there's a. Elena and Patrick. Well, Elena went to school with Rafi. Oh. Yeah, both of them did. I caught on telling. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Patrick was was at the top of the class. It's great to hear like Patrick say that, that I, you know, I love my city because honestly, I feel like I, I've gone to some places and there's experiences that I might have been like, wow, this would be really cool in Dallas. But then I'm like, well, when I really look and, and take that perspective back, I wouldn't I wouldn't go anywhere else in the world because there is so much happening here. If I want to be angry, I could be angry and do something about it here. Mm-hmm. If you're hungry, you can eat in Dallas. <laughs> yes. And, and you, I mean, and it'll it'll test you if you're really hungry. Right. And right. so I think that's what's really cool to, to, you know, to see that, you know, within my peers, but really, you know, Patrick and Elena, like mm-hmm. knowing what they were coming from, like really seeing that. And so many of their, um, the people that they're working with now <clears throat> are, you know, former Booker T grads. You know, they have a, a, a network of creatives that they don't have to go outside of that network that's to get right. everything yeah. they want done, done. That's awesome. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. My proudest moment. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, you know, I don't have. Yes, you do. Ooh. What is it? She's going to say it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you Your know, proudest I, moment should be the fact that you live the way you want to live. Mm. You know, that's what I was about to say. You know, I have, I, 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 she's right. I, I, I have Please. had the good fortune. You know, I never married, never had kids. I and, need to know more about mm. that. Uh, because I, I, that is the kind of life I kind of want to live in. And there's not a lot of people that want that so life. Let me t- so let me, t- I'll give you the, the, the short version. Okay. Vicky is a, a is, I come from a group. I, when I, after I became an adult, 
an adult, mm-hmm. my immediate, my new family happened to be a group of African-American women. Mm-hmm. And in that group, there were a few people that were married. I, not very many. But what, I, what, what they taught me, and they gave me permission to travel on my own, mm. to have a business, because one of them, you know, some people had businesses, to, you know, to live the life that I wanted to live, to do the things that I wanted to do. Because I didn't, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't, I didn't have to be responsible to anybody but me. And so I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that that group of women that really lay the groundwork and the foundation for the life that says, this is what you can do. You can do anything you want mm. and and be okay with that. Now, people are going to look at you and go, because I have people all the time saying, don't you want to get married? Or mm. didn't you want to have children? Or It's the worst. Uh, and, and I tell people, I said, I wanted a husband and I wanted children. But that same group of women told me, you don't have to settle. Mm. You don't have to settle. Yeah. You do not this have to like settle. This is like what I hear every day. If it's day a knucklehead, send him on his way. Mm. <laughs> They're all knuckleheads. They're all being sent away. And then, and then, and then you know, then you know, listen. Well, you know, you can have a baby. I didn't want to have. You know, I come from a Christian background, and mm. I tell people, I said, my father would be rolling over in his gravy if I showed up somewhere pregnant. And but that wasn't what I wanted. Right. I wanted the I wanted the benefit of a of a you know of, of a, a family of a family a family mm. unit. And so I was okay with that. Right. You know, did you know, did I, you know, have some grants? Every now and again, but not really. Because in my immediate group of friends, there were I had friends that had kids. I worked in programs where they had kids. Mm-hmm. So I and You I, were getting that feeling. I getting that feeling and I mm-hmm. you know, I got lots of grown kids running around here. People who's who've been a part of my life for a very long time. And so I am most proud of that and I I think for Young women at any point in time in their lives, people, you know, especially I think what's really interesting as as I see more gay and lesbian and transgender women mm-hmm. and who decide that they don't want to have families because I, I do a lot of gay weddings. But what I can tell you is that what I hear from all of them is that somebody out there laid that groundwork that said, you can live this life on your own terms. Mm. It's going to be some folks that's going to have some things to say about it. You're going to be mm-hmm. uncomfortable. You're going to second guess yourself. And that's okay. But continue to do the things that you want to do. And that's what I've been able to do. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you, I'm having a hell of a time. I love it. I am having a You I, can see it. You can feel it. I'm it's having amazing. a hell of a time. And I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would not trade it. I would not trade it for the world. And so, I'm, you know, and I'm good with that. So I know for... It's so interesting. A lot of young women that I talk to, especially now in the, the world of social media, mm-hmm. where they live every moment <laughs> on their device. Yeah. You know, the background Telling of that shit all is real. Business. You know, <laughs> and, and, and you know, the, you, you know, you get to see the glossy part, but you don't get to see the grimy, dirty part yeah. because all of it is not as pretty as it looks. Right. And and that's the other thing that they don't have those real conversations. So you always wonder what kind of people are in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage my thing is that I encourage every woman and for men too, find some people that you know that that are living the lives that 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 you would like to not 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 emulate, but that that, that are solid, mm-hmm. and they're doing some things and they're comfortable with it. Because that's the thing, people would like. I can't believe that you're okay 
We're not, you know, we're not having a family. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. I really am. Yeah. And so. I, but I you think, have a family. That's what yeah. they don't You've understand. You've built a family outside yeah, of the I mean, norm. Yeah, that's well, things they and, don't understand. And, and, and I'll tell people, you know, that my, a friend of mine gave me a card one time for my birthday that said, friends are the family we choose for mm-hmm. ourselves. I believe that. So you get a chance to pick those people out. And you know, and and, and select them wisely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to clean the house every now and then. Absolutely, who clean it? <laughs> and, and, and some people say, you know, they fall off, yes. and that's okay. Yeah, but just understand that you can live the life that you want, and right. you know, regardless of what your parents say, your friends say, or what it, the world says, we don't get to do this but one time. Right. Do it like you want to. Mm, I want to end there, but I have so many more questions. It's such a beautiful <laughs> note you left it on. Um, my maybe we'll uh, do this next time so we, it doesn't sound like we're dissing Dallas too much. But I did want to ask. I guess really quickly, I have like two more questions. Okay. I don't know if anybody okay. else has questions, but um, <laughs> I, I I have only twelve more. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for part two. Um, <laughs> The quickest thing off the first thing off your t- the top of your head, what it what needs to change most in Dallas and how? Somebody turning off their phones before it's we record. It's literally on silent. I don't understand why it made a noise. <laughs> oh, you forgot oh, to feed a, your plant. No, look, it's literally silent. That's oh. a, that's a sign. That's weird. <laughs> Is it? Are they watching me? Yeah. <laughs> they heard you. <laughs> the NSA. Oh my God, stop, I'm scared. <laughs> so what do you think is the biggest issue facing Dallas and how would we fix it? I, I, I definitely think it's equity, but it's equity across the board on yeah. so many issues. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it, but that, that is the, <clears throat> the booger bear at this point that if Dallas doesn't tackle this and tackle it with honesty, um, it, it could see itself going downhill because it's one of its strengths in my mind mm-hmm. is is the fact that we finally have gotten um really multicultural in in people right you know not in the way that we deal with the people but that we have a you know we have a lot of different kinds of people right, here now sure. when i first got here it was mexicans black people and white people mm-hmm. and now we have everybody you right. know but we've got to come to terms with our racist past you know and 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 tackle it and do something about it definitely you know, it, it, along those same lines, uh, people, I, I, I got a chance to do something fun with one of the magazines here, but I think what's interesting is that in many cases, white people don't want to have that, don't want to have a real conversation. Right. Especially Dallas white people. Dallas white people don't want to have a real no conversation. White about <laughs> no other. white people. They don't want to have a real Clarification. Con- they do not. American white people. American white people. I want to have a real conversation about it. So, True. and 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 you know, I was look, look, looking at the uh, PBS documentary, the Black Experience, and this mm-hmm. was on about businesses. Mm-hmm. And so, I encourage somebody to watch that. But I think that um, unless they're willing to do those kinds of things, your people have lied to you all of your life. I, you know, and told you that you were better, but you weren't. True. That you were, you know, you're murderers. You're all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's deal with that, and so Call that we, can, out. you know, so you know, yeah, so that so for that a we start, can, yeah, so you know, be can, honest, yeah, just yeah. be honest, you know, be and that's honest. all people want. Yeah. And 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 being honest doesn't make you less. True, it really makes you more. And then you know, yeah, will there be some changes? Yes, absolutely. You, you know, it's hard, and 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 there's there's no. There's no secret why people of color 
get tired of hearing the same old bullshit. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to tell them, you know, look, we, you can't carry that lie on forever. You know, it's almost forever, but it's not. Right. You know, that, and again, that's the other thing I love about living in this time with social media. And you guys, the kinds of information that you put out there, mm-hmm. facts. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's, it's a thing called public information. Yes. So, you you know, you have facts. And, and most people, you know, once upon a time, we didn't have access to that. So we can talk about whether it's from housing and in, anything that has to do with equity, um, you know, from the police department. Mm, I know. I, know. I was trying. Three more episodes. <laughs> and so, so, you know, when you talk about those kinds of things, I think that... Um, we have, you know, this this can be a great city if we're willing to have those kinds of conf- conversations and be okay with it and do some things, you know. Um, you know, it's unfortunate we spent the last couple of years here with a president that's, you know, that that has probably he has made it all right to be ugly mm-hmm. and to be, you know, when your president is racist, you know. Where's the bar? You know, where, there is no bar. Yeah, right. except I don't. You know, you know, I don't get caught up in that though, because you know, Trump didn't create racism. No, 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 no. And I'm, he, not, saying, and, and I'm he, not saying that he did. And, it. and 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 quite frankly, the racists came out when Obama won. Mm. That, that's yeah, when that's that. That's when they yeah, really that's raised their ugly heads above ground because they've been underground. And he you know. just continued. But his that. election was what really solidified for right. them that they needed to they take had their back puppet the back. They they needed to get they mm-hmm. needed to get control. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. So I mean, you know, Trump was just a byproduct of mm-hmm. that, you know, Absolutely. quite frankly. I agree. Um and I, I like my I like for people to recognize that. You know, people are talking about Trump did this, Trump did no, mm-hmm. no, no. Racism right. been here since sixteen nineteen. And it ain't going nowhere. And you know, and <clears throat> frankly, we are not gonna be the ones to dismantle it. Mm-hmm. White people made it, they gotta right. dismantle it. You know, that's Ooh. not our it's not about making. Amen. So Jeez, I'm sorry. No, do not. Mm-hmm. That, I say did you, that. Did you need? Did you need? No, another? I literally. You need to end on a better note. No, I tell people every time. What are you talking about? That's the episode name. Yes. White people made racism. White people dismantle it. Because I literally, like last episode, was talking about like. I talk about white supremacy every single episode. <laughs> like it, it never goes away. Like I, I hope my listeners aren't tired because that's literally the cause of the majority of these issues. I'm not just bored and saying it it's what it is and i'm not afraid to call it what it is and if you if you're a person of color in this world you live that every day right Mm -hmm. and so you know they might not as i said we move around their world Mm -hmm. all the time yeah we're just so used to it so you know we just kind of you look for sure it's above me (laughs) i can't it's above me i cannot you're the beam queen now oh my gosh so my final question then will be because you're coming back, so it's not really my final question, but we'll make it the my final one. Question. Yes, right. <laughs> Is what would you say to your younger self or people like you now? About what? Just About your, any advice? <laughs> Whatever you want. What I would t- what I would have done. One of the things that that, that <laughs> Vic, I you don't do that to me. That that we don't spend a lot of time. I think we touched on this early. Is the uh, the real sense of conversation and community, and really having some conversations about how we preserve our communities mm-hmm. and, and talking about finances and mm-hmm. saving and buying houses and really taking care of our communities ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, be the ones that, you know, if, if some gentrification is going to happen, 
we be the ones that are, you know, that's going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a conversation that I would have, I, I wish, that's what I would tell myself if I, if I were 20 years old, you know, that's the direction you need to go because I can see what it would look like. I know now mm-hmm. uh, what it would look like now. Right. And I could piggyback on that because one of the things that I, that I, regret my mother didn't do although she was very good about telling us in the abstract that every woman ought to have her own money Mm -hmm. she didn't tell us and maybe she didn't know I don't know you know she died so young I didn't have a chance to find out but Mm -hmm. I would tell my younger self to be much smarter about money Mm -hmm. um, because I made money early on and I could have had money to do things like buying land outside this friggin' country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to do another sort of thing. But, you know, just understanding um, the value of what money could do, because my parents finally came to the conclusion that they couldn't be broke activists. They needed to go make money so they could fund the stuff they want. Yeah. To, 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 Even know, with to, the politics to, being like leftist and all that. Well, yeah, they that, needed to make money to fund the, the sure. stuff that they believed in. Yeah, and that, that I, learned, I learned that lesson a little too late, mm-hmm. not too late, but you know what I mean. If I right. learned it earlier, right, later you know, than, had, yeah. yeah. I mean, now I'm broke all the time because I give all my money to everybody. But you know, <laughs> whatever. All for, causes, whatever. All for good cause. Whatever. Ah, <laughs> that's good beautiful. Causes. Well, we're definitely having y'all back. I have a, I. Mm, there's just so much to say, and I want to. I want to hang out with y'all so we could talk about other topics and different things and i i appreciate you both dearly your friendship is goals so beautiful so divine now now, now, now don't now let me tell you something uh-oh one of the things i can tell you about our friendship that that the reason that it's we've been able to be friends for so long uh-huh. is that say. there's a level of honesty that comes with that yes you know i you love know, honesty you know, and and and, mm. and and i think that one of the things you have to think about and i and and you have to think about this as a young person if i'm creating this great life what kind of people do i want around me mm-hmm. do i want people that are, that 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 they're going to agree with me all the time about everything and, yeah. and and listen to me complain and bitch and moan or am I going to have somebody that's going to call me out? Mm-hmm. Push you to the and next level. And you really want somebody that's going to call you out and push you to the next <laughs> level. <laughs> that was so bad. That was amazing. And so oh. you want to you be able to do that. And that's what you that's what you want in your life. And I yeah. can, and I am fortunate to have a few friends like that. And, that, and that's the beauty of, you know, how we've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, y'all are both Dallas legends. So loved, so respect. Y'all aren't even from Dallas, but like Dallas knows you. Dallas loves you. Well, but you, you realize we've been—I've li- been living in Dallas longer than I lived in the place that I so grew up. So you are in. Dallas. Exactly. So I mean, you know, even though exactly. I know Texans, you're never a Texan unless you were born. No, here. you are. Te- I'm gonna make uh, you uh, Texan right now. Boom! <laughs> I gave it to you. I don't know if I have but that I power. Raised but- two Texans. <laughs> You're Texans. You're absolutely Texans. If New Yorkers and Austinites and all these people can claim what they claim, oh y'all are absolutely Texans because y'all have been here and we appreciate and love you both dearly. We're going to bring you back to the Colores Radio, so I'm not going to send you with the you so with much. the big goodbye. I'll see you whenever I see you. Can we get you. a gift basket now? Yes, full of all the goodies because we have the biggest budget. I wish. Thank you both for being on the Colores Radio. Give some more wine, though. Y'all want some more wine? Give some more wine. We love y'all. Y'all are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Colores Radio. All right. So another huge thanks to Vicky Meek and Marion Marshall. I don't know if y'all could tell. I hope you can tell that they are just... 
they really are like a special light and force and like there's so much that i don't even know about how amazing they are because i haven't been in the scene long enough but when rafa called me mexican vicky meek i was like wow i can die happy now because (laughs) this is something and i'll take it and so i'm very grateful that they were on the colores radio with us and that will lead us to our next segment, which is <clears throat> self-care corner. Okay. I respect that one. Shut up. Yo, uh, I should have made Daisy sing I was going to say, sang. you think we have a vocalist here yeah, that could do that? Yeah, we have a whole vocalist. Can we hear that self-care corner, Daisy? Can you do it? Come on. Come on. Okay. No like pressure. Exactly how you flip said it. it. Yeah, flip, something flip, like it. However you it, want to. Flip it, reverse it, however you want to do it. I don't know. Okay. We'll see. Let's see. Let's see. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm probably going to copy you, but self-care corner. Aw, cute. (laughs) Use that one. Thank you. Mine's trash. Um, So I uh, didn't get to ask our guests, but I was glad to hear that Vicky was like, that self-care thing y'all talk about a lot, like, do it. Like, she was like, basically encouraging young people to continue doing it because she um, mentioned, you know, how much it takes an effect um, on our bodies and our elders and on everything. So I, for self-care this week and anybody who feels they want to chime in, feel free. Um, I'm the repeated theme I keep seeing for myself is how I need to prioritize myself. And I am not doing that at all. Like I'm pretending I am. And I'm doing it in a lot of ways because it's still enjoyable, but I've really realized in the last week or so that I genuinely need to like spend time with myself, make sure I'm taking care of myself and my health first and not trying to do and be everything for everyone. Um, And especially those that might not be doing it in return for you, Um, which is a hurtful feeling and it does not feel good. Um, and it honestly gets kind of scary and feels sucky to really like have to focus on yourself and take care of yourself and like face your flaws. But I think it's really necessary. Um, and in that pressure, a lot of growth can come from it. So I am personally going to work on making more of an effort to do all the things I'm saying I'm going to do and actually doing them and being mindful of myself and what I can do without burning myself out so that is my self-care tip for the week does anybody have anything else to add i think uh when she specifically said don't make the same mistakes for the younger generation don't make the same mistakes that we made pay attention to all of these things that we didn't really like care to to deal with because those things are like it, it's it kills mm-hmm. the, the high stress, the It the worrying, literally takes that. a toll on your body. Yeah. There are books about how all these things are impacting us physically and we don't even know it. Yeah. And so it, it, it's it, definitely a reminder. But I mean, anytime you hear like the elders speak on, on yes. things and, and the significance of things like that. Um, what was really cool about, you know, the whole interview is really understanding like when you're able to listen to someone like that with an open mind and really take that perspective into account 
like it really forces you to analyze the way you view your world because a lot of the times you don't understand things until you go through them. So that's how we fuck up. That's how we learn. That's how we make these mistakes and grow from them. But um, I think ultimately everyone gets to this point where you're like, okay, you know, these people have no reason to lie to me or they have no reason to steer me wrong. So listening to them in a way that's productive to you, um, one, it's in your best interest, but two, it, it helps you build like, you know, a stronger team, a stronger sense of family. Um, it was it was very like it was dope to hear it from them, but um, very cool in that short bit that we got to really reflect on it. For sure. And I know the book that I have had on my list for like a year. Mm. I have avoided reading it because I have to um, come to terms with the relationship I have with my body. And so I want to do that before I read the book because I know it's going to drag me the fuck out and I'm not ready. But the book is called The Body Keeps the Score. And so if you're interested in that, I'm going to look it up. I mean, I already seen it, but I haven't bought it and I'm going to read it. I but saw I'm it. not ready. <laughs> I think my dear friend, you had it. Why'd you make so, that face, Megan? Because I recently bought that book with the intentions of reading it. I went to the spa yesterday. Spa day? Yesterday, spa day? And I brought it for a friend to read and he left it at the spa. We <sighs> lost it. Oh, bruh. So I'll order another copy. Oh my, she lost her book at the spa. But you got the book, and that's what matters. That's a cool story. I lost my book at the spa. I'm sad now. Thank you, Megan. I'm just kidding. Uh, No, but I think I've heard really great things about the book. Um, I am being, again, mindful of when I am able to read something that is going to um, provide me with a lot of information I wish I knew prior to my existence, maybe. I don't know if that is possible. However, that is our self-care corner for the week. We are now jumping to our De Colores events. I'm going to go through some of these quickly. And that is finally announced. Oh, we announced it last episode. Just kidding. (laughs) On June 23rd, we are having our De Cocos Summer Bash at Sunset Crab Shack. It's going to be so fun. I'm very excited. We're going to have great people in the mix. There's lots of fun activities happening. I'm really, truly excited about this, and I know it took us a minute to make it happen, but I think this is exactly what needed to happen, when it needed to happen. Great location, lots of great people involved, and we're really looking forward to it. Anything else? All right. So there is still happening the Freedman's Town to Botham Jean Stories for Racial Healing, Um, the June 8th show, it will be at Pleasant Grove Library. June 15th will be at Hampton, Illinois, which is probably when you'll catch me. And June 22nd is at the Fretz Park branch. Um, All of these are at the libraries at 2 p.m. These are performances. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, And the exhibit is today from Maricon X, um, the exhibit at the Latino Cultural Center that will be going on probably for about a month. We worked with them last year for our art show and they put this on for the past two years. It's been super dope. Really great people. Lex and the team and everyone over there are all great people. And we're we're very glad to see this show happening. And I believe we have a lot more brewing for the rest of the year here at De Colores. So we're very excited about everything happening. And it's going to be a, a lovely rest of the year. So we're very grateful for y'all's support always. All right. <sighs> That means it's time for our brown business of the week. Woo! Our brown business is ding ding Ann's Disasters. Pat, do you want to talk more about them? I have some Ann's, dis- 
Sasser's pieces. Oh, do you? I haven't bought any yet. I've been wanting to. I got them when I went to the Real Women Have Curves and I bought your mama some. So oh, we both got a pair <laughs> of What is mom wearing? What earrings did she, she get? Because I love all her like ones. food earrings are that so great. That just sounded funny. I bought your mama some. I did. What and kind did mom get? They're like cute little dangly ones with gold and a little shimmer, but... Anne's Annie is the owner of Anne's Disasters. Um, really, really awesome work. Awesome lady. Repurposed items, upcycled. It's really fun. Lots of jewelry, handcrafted jewelry, focusing on upcycled, repurposed, fun, and kishy. Damn, that word really got me. Uh, statement pieces under the names and disasters. She's great. Her work is great. She will be at our event at Sunset Crab Shack. So support our friend Annie at Anne's underscore disasters. You can find her vending at a lot of these different pop-ups. Um, She's been at some of the Chiclezine pop-ups. A lot of them, lots of different things in the community. So we love and support you, Annie, and we are excited to have you join us on the 23rd. So welcome to the Brown Business of the Week family. Yay. Then finally, it's time for who the fuck you got with the coco. And since we have a special friend here in the room with us, Megan, I'm going to give you a time to give us who the fuck you got real quick. Why do you hate Megan? No, I hate you. Oh, Wow. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you guys. Wow. Um, and girls Love you too. and people. Who do I have? Um, I got who do I have? Who, whom? Whom? Whom have I got? <laughs> uh, tell us. Um, I don't know if you guys would have mentioned it before. I've got, so two things. One is an artist. Um, Steve Lacey came out with a new album. Yay. I have mentioned Steve Lacey before. I'm of course it, you have okay? that. It's it was a, when the first album came out. Yeah. It, I'm, it's a summer bop for sure. Yeah. I haven't listened yet. I need to process it again. It's really long. It is. Ding. It's not too bad, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the dinger. <laughs> he failed. So I'm in Lacey and then I... Um, Ding again because that was a failure. I recently got a book that's really awesome. It's called, I think, Black is the Body. I thought you were going to say The Body Keeps the Score and I was like, the body you keeps told the score. us that story um, already. I, and I lost it. No. It's called <laughs> Black is the Body... And it's by um, Emily Bernard, mm. and it's like memoirs from her and like her grandmother, and Ooh. it's really nice. And I got it from a really fun like black-owned bookstore. Where at? Here in Dallas? No, in New York. Um. It's like black, very like Latinx. Okay. Because like, there's a lot of yes. diaspora there, I'm sure. So um, <laughs> it's really fun, and I'm having fun like exploring that. Yeah, Shane. Yay! Thank you, Megan, for joining. I know. I hope y'all don't mind. I bring random friends in sometimes because I think they're all amazing, brilliant people, and you'll hopefully see more of them in some way um, in the future. So thank you, Megan, for sharing that with us. We ain't shit, but thank you. You are (laughs) shit. I mean, what? Uh, Pat, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I guess. Yeah. Um, shocker. (laughs) Season two of Vida actually surprised me. I did not. I was being a little shady last time. I know you're being shady, and I was kind of hesitant to watch it because of like everything they've done. Um, I know a lot. I still heard some more shady stuff, but I'm not gonna bring that up. Well, I just know a lot. Sorry. Okay, keep going. Well, I, now I'm like, now I lost my train no, of thought. No, I'm sure it's still great. Go ahead, go ahead. I've heard it. No, good but things. this this season actually did get better. I was really surprised they called out their own like gentrification and gentrification, and um, I was really surprised. And uh, Raúl Castillo was on there, so I know even Fred Papita watched it, and like they couldn't comment on it because other reasons, but they were like, "Oh wow, we watched it." Um, 
but that's because we like Burro Castillo. But it was actually really good. The writing was did a little better. I still couldn't handle all the Spanglish because they still get kind of weird with it. Still seems forced. But the acting got really better, and I fell in love with uh, Roberta on there. They were really great. And then Emma and Nico's characters, like, they were so much built up. But, yeah, it was really good. And then I actually... Did the whole season just drop? The whole season dropped, so I binge-watched that thing in, Where? like, two days on Stars. Nombre no tengo estrellas. And Tatiana Hazel had some music Aww. on there. It was cool seeing, like, the soundtrack and stuff. I was like, wow, okay, y'all listening to my playlist or what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so do they have, like, Latinx musicians or Oh, yeah, your, your um, girlfriend, good old Harina, was on there. Duh! And they had uh, Sancha on there, too. It was like, it was a lot of cameo. It was almost too much. Like, I was like, whoa, this is like too much LA people. Because Curly was on there too from mm-hmm. uh, BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. So it's a small yeah, world. It was actually a lot a lot more surprising than I expected. So I just wanted to shout that out. But I started watching um, See You Yesterday last night. And it's I actually, heard about that, the film I, on I, Netflix, right? Yes, it's really great. It's like two black teens that want to do time travel. And Michael J. Fox oh, is the their teacher. Lee. Michael J. Fox yes, is he's the their teacher. teacher. The Spike Lee one, right? It, yeah, he um, produced it. Yeah, yeah, Spike Lee produced it. But the director is um, Stefan Marbury. Bristol. Wow. Yeah, so him. it was really cute. I really liked it. And it's like because it's based in 2019, it touches a lot of topics that are obviously like things that are happening now. But it was really beautiful seeing like two black science teens. Like we went like in the 80s, I never would have got that. Hence why I got back to the future. So seeing this, I was like, oh, my yeah. God, it's so great. So I highly recommend it. I don't. I haven't seen any publicity for that because, like Rafa said last episode, they don't fucking so support our shit. So that's why I'm I'm talking on it, speaking on it here, telling Thank you how to watch Pat. it. Thank you. Because nerdy brown and black kids need to see this stuff, and Absolutely. I was really happy to see that. Um. So yeah. And then finally, after, sorry, um, there's a comma after see you yesterday, and then it says smash mouth. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm a little bit worried. Who would have done that? I don't know, but I am a Shrek connoisseur, so like, I'm not (laughs) mad at it. I I originally had some perreo, but I was like, I'm going to go off too long on the movie and TV show, so. True. What the fuck? So I'll talk about the perreo another time. Smash Uh, mouth is not included. Hey. Although they are playing at your funeral, <gasps> well, they're not playing. Just the song. Is I'm playing. gonna get I don't them need to the play. Band, girl. I'm gonna get them I'm to good. do all star the whole I'm funeral. Sh- Damn, I'm hey, sad no. now. Hey, you're now here it all. <laughs> Rest in peace wow. now, <laughs> Rafael. Garros. What's Garros? Smash Mouth. Who hurt you? Ooh, Anna. Ooh. <laughs> all right, Raffy. Who the fuck you got? Who do you who, have? Who sir? did y'all do pink? Did y'all when did y'all do pink sweats? Y'all pink, did pink socks? Sweat? No, I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Okay, what's your key sweat? Who is it? <laughs> pink sweats. Uh huh. Tell us more. Unless one of y'all already did him. We have not done him. He has not. I thought that to do was me. a joke that you put. Ding. <laughs> Are you done? Who is this? Pink sweats. Uh, R and B. I think he's from Philly. Okay. Uh, has a song. Vicky that- Mick. Vicky Mick. Vicky, Vicky Mick. Vicky Mick. La Vicky Mick. Oye, Vicky Mick. Okay, wait. Yeah. Ching out. He sounds like he's like if someone can have a unique voice, but not be not necessarily not unique. Like Damn, not that's common. harsh. You sound no. good, but you stupid. <laughs> no. You regular. That's not what I'm saying. So he's got a unique voice, but. Um, like you hear 
you hear other inspirations in in his music. Um, he had a song that was on the Billboard Top Hot 100 or whatever the fuck. Um, but he's got one that I think you would like, Eva. It's called Coke and Henny. Um, <gasps> and it sounds good. Me? No. But um, yeah. He, he doesn't have a whole lot of music, but he's got enough. And everything that I've heard, I heard like a good six, five or six songs and they all, they all jam. I'm into it. I'm going to check out Keith Sweat's son, Pink Sweats. <laughs> um, and my who you got is surely someone you all have probably listened to because it was the number one album on Billboard. And that is my sweet boy. Tyler the Creator's album Igor. So it came out, I think, prior to our last episode. However, I did not listen because I wanted to do as he said and listen from back to, f- I mean, not back to front, front to back, no stopping. I like to sit and enjoy an album, no interruptions, and just like process it. I'm very, like, I guess old fashioned in that way. Like, I don't like jumping into it right away. I want to be in the right place of mind. And I was actually incredibly impressed with this album because the last few have not really done it for me. Um, And I feel like he's finally reached the point he's always wanted to reach in his music career because he's always kind of trolled his own like rap career. And so I believe he's reached the point of like Pharrell production, Kanye production, Stevie Wonder inspired, like all these different people that he's always claimed as big influences, Roy Ayers, um, all these people he's been obsessed with. I can hear and feel in this album, in this music. It's fun. It's light um, and still just uniquely his own and so i'm really excited to see his growth um in all aspects of his life musically personally um and so i was very happy to see that he announced a tour with the blood orange and gold link for dallas texas and a bitch is gonna be in the hoe in grand prairie texas where um it's literally called the theater which is so embarrassing right because it's off of uh, i-30 and, and beltline yeah. that's literally my yeah. hood so, um, but w- and where is that in Texas? okay s- goodbye sir okay. bye right. um yeah. so i'm really listening to, to a lot of igor and like, honestly i'm listening to a lot of stevie time. wonder um because y'all know i just <clears throat> randomly be going back to like way oldies and I think I want to give Stevie Wonder more roses because I know we give him roses often, I feel like, but we still could give him more because his fucking discography slaps, y'all. And I feel like he deserves more credit. There's one of our listeners that you know that's obsessed with Stevie. There is one, but we need to have more. We do need to have more. And so I just want to give my love. To Gary Mason. Give my love to Stevie Wonder himself and... um yeah, lots of great, amazing music and work and art and books and everything coming out right now. And though there's a lot of pain and trauma and hurt, there's a lot of um, art and beauty and growth that comes of it. And so I encourage you all to lean into that and, and find your community and build it with us and hit us up if you have ideas because we're always here to help support you all. And so that wraps it up for us here at De Colores Radio. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Or subscribe and leave us a darn review like go into apple Podcasts and rate us five stars i've heard apparently apple podcast is going to be evolving a little bit since they're like ridding of itunes and shit who knows what's happening next um but we'd love to keep growing so please share it with everyone you know tweet us or just hit us up we love hearing from you all we could not go on without your support 
Come out to our events. Support our POC businesses. We'll see you on June 23rd at Sunset Crab Track. I cannot wait. I'm really excited. Um, uplift our guests. You can follow us at The Colores Co. You can follow me at Eva Arreguin, Rafa at Exoil, and Pat at Pat.Arreguin and Tahin Mami. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Our audio editor is Rafael Tamayo. Our intern is Dan- Daisy Rincon. Thank you so much to our guests, Vicky Meek and Marion Marshall, and our sweet friend, Megan Zingo. I'm just going to say that because I don't want to put her government out there. Uh, hey, y'all. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and, more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Let's keep growing. Let's keep learning and unlearning. Contact us on social media or email us at thecoloriscollective at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening and for being with us. We love you all. Join us again next time for The Colores Radio. Yo. The, the, the Colores Radio. The, the, the Colores Radio.